0: Welcome to the 163rd episode of Social Suplexes podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity because God knows we need it now. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Summers. I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is my good buddy Floyd Johnson Jr. And joining with us for this episode is our good friend JR, Lucha Professor himself on Twitter. You hey guys, you doing good? <laughs> JR, how you doing?
1: I I'm doing well on this uh, Tuesday evening. It is hot as hell, though it is a hundred plus degrees for the last two weeks and the following week and in in my little slice of hell.
2: And you, Floyd? I am doing great. I am happier than a pig in poo. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I love. I love. I love uh, the dirt. And we got plenty of it to talk about tonight. I just got back from a uh, five day vacation in uh Shout out in Schomburg, Illinois. Shout out to Josh and shout out to my boy Tyler. And he hung with me all week and y'all know you know the type of schedule I keep. Sometimes it's a little hard to hang with me, so The fact that he hung with me and we got our pictures and we got all that stuff. I want to give one special shout out to my boy, formerly Neville in the WWE, The Bastard (laughs) Pack. This is not sarcastic at all. I really mean this. Thank you for showing up to your meet and greet because this is the fourth meet and greet I have bought for Pack since he has joined (laughs) AEW in the previous three probably circumstances beyond his control. I never heard rumors. He was not ever to make, and I was uh, given a refund. So the fact that he showed up, I got to meet him. He actually signed my figure, the Bastard Pac, and not just, uh, you know, just pack. And it was great. He took his time. Lovely fella. I'd meet him again. But I don't think, I, I don't know, I don't know if lightning strikes twice and he would show up for two in a row. That would be crazy. Yeah. No, but I really uh, don't know why he didn't show up to the other ones. I'm just, I'm just kind of giving shit at that point.
0: <laughs> Regardless, though, I'm glad that your weekend and your uh, all-out uh, festivities was great. Um, now, here's the deal. As I was take a swig of my water before we get into this, we cannot dance around this at all, and it's simply because the last few days have been. An absolute clusterfuck, because there's no other word to put it. Um, we're going to just jump right into that, what you know what we're going to talk about. And that's going to be the first thing we talk about, because uh, we can't just not like talk about this. It's been everywhere. But we'll get the shell out of the way first. Please make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or wherever you guys listen to us, uh please give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can leave a rating, you can leave a review. If you're so inclined, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider. Wait, you can't do that anymore. My bad. Who cares? Uh, either way, follow us on social media. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At social suplex is the guys that make this show possible. Give a love to all the shows that they have. They're great. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter and our good friend JR is at LuchaProfessor Professor on Twitter. So, after all out, which was a great show and we're going to talk all about the show itself which Floyd I know had a blast there. I had a ton of fun watching the show. It was great. We're going to hear JR's thoughts on the show as well. But after the show is what everyone has been talking about. So, it's going to lead us into a bit of a spoiler sniff if you like just get some of the stuff about the end of the show. So, After CM Punk uh, defeated Jon Moxley to regain the AEW World World Heavyweight Championship, and we saw what happened to close off the show, which we'll save that for when it happens. Um, We go to the uh, traditional media scrum that takes place after AEW's pay-per-views, which is led off by CM Punk. And it is impossible to get to everything he said, but basically this man... Came out, and he had bullets in the chamber, and he was shooting from the hip, and he was hitting anything that he could, because we got angry Phil Brooks back, and it was, you know, we've seen CM Punk, since he's returned to wrestling, be a very happy guy, very uh, just zen guy, uh, kind of almost unrecognizable to some people, um, but now we have seen the angry CM Punk. Which, to some fans, he's become unrecognizable again, but trust me when I say Angry CM Punk. We've been familiar with this guy for a bit. So, CM Punk comes out and uh, calls out uh, the wrestling journalist in the room. Specifically, one, uh, his name was Nick. And I believe he worked for Wrestling Inc. If I'm not mistaken. but Nick Hausman from Wrestling Inc. Correct. Thank you for correcting me, Floyd. No, I was um, just giving you the last name because I figured if you didn't have Sure, him. absolutely. You know what? Works perfectly. So, Uh, He was the first person to ask a question, and before he could even ask his question, Punk interrupts and asks uh, everyone in the room, who considers themselves a journalist? A raise of hands. And then he goes to Nick, who says, like, I try my best. He's like, you you still do improv, Nick? To which he's like, no, not anymore. He's like, when you did improv, Nick, who did you do improv with? And he said, Scott Colton. Real life name of Colt Caban." He goes, okay, so you call yourself a journalist. um, Would you say that you're friends with Scott Colton? Nick says, no, not really. He's like, so you're not friends with him. He's like, "Eh, no, we didn't see eye to eye to which punk said, Oh wow. Well, that makes two of us. And he says, my point is, if you consider yourself a journalist, even in the silly world of professional wrestling, and you report on things mostly that are bullshit, uh, you might want to like mention who you're friends with. So if you, if you are friends with him, you blew my spot. If not, I apologize. And he goes immediately into laying out everything regarding his relationship and the fallout with him, and Scott Colton, aka Colt Cabana. And he he does all of this to address how uh, a story stories were leaking out about Colt Cabana being fired from AEW, and insinuated that CM Punk was trying to get Colt Cabana fired. He ended up getting rehired and signed specifically to a Ring of Honor contract, but it was insinuated that like stories and rumors were coming out that uh, Punk was trying to get him fired, and people that said that in interviews were the Young Bucks because they said they were the ones that were sticking up for Colt, trying to make sure he didn't he didn't go he, they didn't lose him, and after he talked about everything with his relationship with with Colt Cabana, saying that. His relationship hasn't been a, a thing since late 2013, 2014, and talked about how when they were getting sued, um, he paid all of his bills. He has every receipt, he has every invoice, every email, and he even has an email from Colt saying, "I agree to go our separate ways. You, do not, I'll get my own lawyer. You do not have to pay." And the and the only reason the public didn't know about that email is when he finally had to countersue Colt Cabana. Through discovery, they discovered that he shares a bank account with his mother, and he said later in the prod, uh, in the uh, in the scrum, gives you an idea of the kind of character that he is. Uh, and he goes, again, we have EVPs who couldn't fucking mani- run a target, who spread bullshit and lies. That I tried to get him fired when I want fuck all to do with him. Do not care where he works, where he doesn't work, where he eats. Where he sleeps and the fact that I have to get up here in 2022 and say this is fucking embarrassing. And if you're involved, pointing at all of the media people, fuck you. If you're not, I apologize. And then immediately shifts from the Young Bucks and to Hangman Adam Page saying, what did I do for a fucking empty-headed fuck like Hangman Adam Page to go into business on with for himself on national television and say that type of shit? He's like... And he just ripped into Hangman, ripped into the Bucks, and Tony Khan had absolutely no control of the situation as Punk just kept going and going and going and even went further on to the point where he described when Colt Cabana was suing him for supposedly leaving him high and dry with legal fees, when when Colt sued him, he asked to talk to Colt. He denied. He asked for mediation. It was not allowed. He offered him money. He said it wasn't enough. And that's when the whole shit hit the fan with that whole thing. So he said, I'm hurt, I'm, I'm, I'm tired, and I work with fucking children. And just a lot, of, a lot of a different tone than what we've heard from CM Punk over the past year that he's been in AEW. It's a lot, and I know a lot of people want to hear my thoughts on this, but honestly, I'm going to make you wait. Uh, I want to go to our good friends here first on this podcast to give their thoughts And then I will wrap this whole thing up with a little bow and then we can talk about all out, but we have to talk about this now. I feel like I've hit on every topic. If I haven't, y'all can go in on it too. I know in the media, in in the media scrum too, there was footage of security guards rushing backstage as well, because after the media scrum, there was a fight that broke out between CM Punk and the elite involving a Steel as well, reportedly. And it led to a chair being thrown at Nick Jackson and giving him a black eye and knocking him out. Reportedly, A Steel bit somebody, and CM Punk and the Young Bucks were swinging on each other. Everything is a fucking shit show right now. It's just a complete and utter mess. So, that is all that has been presented to us on this Tuesday night. We still don't know what we're going to get for Dynamite, necessarily. We don't even know if those guys are going to be at the show or what's going to happen. But with JR being our guest for this special episode, I want to go to him first. And this man... He's a big MMA fan, so he is very familiar with these real-life fights and shit and craziness happening outside of events. Hell, I mean, fucking Conor McGregor tried to attack a fucking bus with a with something I remember that one time. So I know this man is familiar with um, these types of altercations with MMA, the sport that he loves. So I want to go to JR, and we'll get to Floyd, and then I'll— me being the CM Punk fan that I am, I know everyone has been asking about my thoughts and we'll get to it, but I want to let uh, JR speak first.
1: It's actually kind of funny you bring that up because, to be honest, this this kind of doesn't even faze me as much as wrestling fans are freaking out about it because I was there in the arena at UFC 229 when uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov fought Conor McGregor and then he jumped the cage and attacked Conor's corner and there were people legitimately in the crowd getting slept by other fans. And there was like almost riots breaking out around the T-Mobile arena and near New York, New York. And it was insane. Like this was, this is nothing compared to what I saw like real life at that UFC event. But, um, what I did, I, I, I'll try to keep, uh, my comments as brief as possible because there's a few things I want to touch upon. And I, I tend to be long winded as I'm long winded right now. Um, Quickly, for those of you who are not familiar, uh, CM Punk and Bana were a longtime friends. Um, CM Punk's timeline is a little bit off, which you know, unfortunately, wrestlers' memory are not the best. I'm gonna say, you know, that, I don't want to speak for him, but I think he probably was meaning more. They haven't been friends since like t- 2014, 2015, because um, a lot of th- these issues began when CM Punk left WWE in 2014. He went on Cole Cabana's podcast, The Art of Wrestling, I believe it's called, which was around November 2014. Uh, he said his, said what he said about his time of WWE, criticized WWE, criticized the, the you No know, Doctors. In February 2015, uh, WWE's doctor, I'm not sure if he's still a doctor, Dr. Chris Aman, uh sued Cole Cabana and CM Punk for defamation. It went to court. Um, I believe that lawsuit was uh, was. Finished in June of 2018, where CM Punk, uh, according to uh, SI article I pulled up, won the civil lawsuit. Um, and then in, I believe it was in twenty, in 2018, I believe, late 2018 or early 2019, um, Coca Bana filed a lawsuit against CM Punk, which CM Punk re- related to as far as you know that the issues about the. Um, you know, s- settling the differences and talking about his, you know, Colt's mother um, that ended up being settled um, around September, 2019, when that was finally settled. So that just wanted some, some background in case people weren't familiar with that. Um, obviously you said everything punk said um, the way I look at it. And I might try to look at this from a, from a more professional level considering my background and what i work because while i don't work for professional wrestlers working at a university you do deal with people um executive um for us or administrators or professors who tend to have big egos and think they're the kings of their kings of the area that they run in and also try to examine this from a little bit from an nfl perspective which is where tony khan also is a part of as being co-owners of jacksonville jaguars Um, I think a lot of people are in the wrong of this. I think CM Punk is in the wrong with cutting the promo or his pipe bomb in that situation. The he, um, if he had an issue, this is something I think as a professional, he should have pulled Tony Khan and aside and discussed these issues and settled it. I completely understand feeling that you, you felt that you've been attacked in the media um, I actually have it right here where um, this was a, a clip from the Wrestling Observer back in May of 2022 where they mentioned Cole Cabana saying that he may not be in AEW. And this uh, the quote was, this may be in some form be related to his issues with CM Punk as why Cole Cabana, since his new contract, he no longer has been a part of AEW. So if they're blaming CM Punk, I guess like I said, completely understand defending yourself but that's something that should have had discussion more in, in a private setting, not air out in front of, you know, the wrestling media, which obviously all of us wrestling fans know now because we all listen to it multiple times. Um, You know, but two two wrongs don't make a right either. With the Elite, according to um, a lot of this has been reported through Fightful Select, I actually became a member of Fightful Select to read all the rumors um, and stories that came out was that the, I think the prevailing rumor was um, from the CM Punk slash Ace Steel side was CM Punk was in his dressing room after the press conference wanted um, and the door was closed. Um, the speculation is, is that the elite, specifically the Young Bucks, may uh, com- try to go into the door um, to the point where they may have tried to kick in the door to get to talk to CM Punk. Um and he um, was not obviously in the right frame of mind and it turned into the altercation that it did. Um, the side they're saying from A Steel is that his wife was there and he was trying to protect his wife, or, which is why he went the way he did, which threw in a chair, I believe, at Nick Jackson and somehow pulled and bit uh, Kenny Omega Again, this is just rumors and stuff that I'm reading on Fightful Select. I definitely encourage everybody to uh, subscribe to Fightful Select if you get like actually a detailed because there's a lot, and I mean a lot of information that has been released in the last 48 hours that they posted on Fightful Select. Um, we would be here for six hours talking about it if it's if I went by a play by play-by-play, um, and. If the elite had a problem, they should have, again, as executive vice presidents, to me, you're held to even a higher standard than your, you know, than CM Punk, who's the biggest star in that company, because you are an executive vice president of your company. They should have instead went directly to Tony Khan afterwards and say, we need to settle this and figure this out because this is creating too much of a volatile situation. Um, you know the term that's used in the NFL is contract dead metal to the team. Um, there's been significant uh, players in the in the NFL. Two of them that come to mind. One was Terrell Owens, who helped the Philadelphia reach a Super Bowl. Where the next year he was end up being suspended for a specific amount of time and eventually released because of contract dead metal to the team. The other one was Albert Haynesworth, who was playing for Washington, signed a the first ever hundred million dollar contract for a defensive player. And within a year, he was suspended for contract demo team and ended up being traded to the mm-hmm. England Patriots. And that's what I look at is that I don't know what the right answer is because of business ramifications, but something does have to happen where you, as Tony Khan, as the owner, booker, promoter of all league wrestling, has to set a tone that this situation does not fly, will not fly, this will never happen again. Um, the unfortunate part is based on these rumors and stories is that the locker room doesn't seem to be supporting CM Punk, and I think the the actual thing was that unless CM Punk and A still make significant amends, they would not be welcome in the locker room and would be better off being released from All Elite Wrestling. Um, so it's I'm going to leave it at that. Cause like I guess I can go on for 45 minutes and I think you guys will have more to add or go in a different direction. But like I said, I don't know what the answer would be. I definitely think everybody needs to receive some sort of punishment because both sides are in the wrong in different ways.
2: Okay. Um, that was Jr. Well, uh, just a little color on me. I was actually at all out. Um, yeah, after, as I've been to all of them. That is neither here nor there. But I was there, and I was leaving. And it's a hard time getting out all out, whether you have your own car or not. So I'm sitting in the car, and someone puts on the scrum. And I'm like, I don't even watch these. I generally don't watch them. I'm just like, it is what it is. They stay in character, blah, blah, blah. Then we started hearing punk. And... This dude was going for bodies. And everybody could get it. He did not care. He, I mean, this dude had a machine gun. And the bullets were flying. And he went after everybody. And first instinct for everyone uh, was to say CM Punk is an ass. He is a jerk. He shouldn't have done that. Blah, blah, blah. Right? Well... For the better part of three years, Mister uh, Brooks was sitting at home minding his own business, and every so often, uh, his phone would ring, and someone's like, "Come on, come to AEW, you know, Shangri-La of wrestling. This is this is this is what you've always wanted in your wrestling company, you know." He's like, well, "I'm done with wrestling, you know. You, you know, he doesn't really want to be involved, but okay." Finally, after AEW has shown some success, he's like, hey, he he's, he comes, he joins. You know, whether it's because he had didn't have money or not, that's neither here nor there. He came to AEW. That being said, when he gets to AEW, um, someone that he doesn't like happens to work there. You know, he apparently has nothing to do with the person and... Uh, but somehow, somehow, through in through his own thought process, somehow someone has decided to leak to the media, whether it was the elite or not. There's no evidence that it was the elite, that he was the reason Cole Cabana got fired, you know, and um, when I look at it from that point of view, and then, of course, the media is talking about and everyone's talking about him getting poor Colt Cabana fired. Now, poor Colt Cabana that everyone loves. I have no problem with Scott Colton. I, every time I've met him, he has been a pleasant individual. I want to throw that out there. Because the reason I want to throw that out there is because this dude was the fifth member of a mid-card comedy act. If honestly, if he wasn't everybody's friend and everybody loved him, would you even had a second thought about this character being released? Stu Grayson got released. Alan Angels got released. You know, people in the Dark Order got released. But Scott, no, he, his firing or him being released or moved to ROH is CM Punk's fault. Okay. CM Punk's like, I didn't do it. And then like me... I will tell anyone if you say I will you say something I did and I said something I did and I did it I get upset but I pretty much will just be like I did it, right but when you try to accuse me of something I didn't do (coughs) and I know I didn't do that's when I get pissed off so I feel CM Punk in this situation because he was at home minding his business writing comics hanging with his wife you know he'd do his uh meet and greets at c2e2 loving life he'd do a sell a sold out one with pro wrestling tees whenever he needed money he had no problem making it right and then things like come to shangri-la come to this beautiful island resort of wrestlers where you get to write your own stories and work with these younger people and you can help build us up. And then when you get there, you it's it's beautiful the first six months. And then someone throws you under the bus to the media. Now, is does someone that throws you under the bus your boss? Well, you seem to believe that because your bosses are friends with coca cabana and they got coca cabana's back so you take it as they are the one that screwed you over all of a sudden this shangri-la looks a lot more like a dystopian future because this is the same shit you dealt with at the other company getting screwed over by the higher-ups so it bad a bad taste in your mouth and this is like feeling like oh this is familiar so when you get a chance, uh then a person that you're having a feud with that you're gonna help level up to a different level by being in a feud with them. Because not saying Hangman it was a nobody, he was very much one of the stars of the company. He they had drawn uh, drawn shows, he was a member of the elite. His uh race the uh his rise to the world title was probably the story of the first few years of AEW. Very important person. But again, doesn't have the kind of Q rating as CM Punk. So just being in a feud with him is going to level uh, Hangman up. So you're doing this. You're helping him get to a next level. And then in a promo, he goes off script and takes a shot at you. Right? It doesn't matter if the world knows he took a shot at you. You know he took take a shot at you. So, again, people are going out in for their business. You feel like your boss has screwed you over. You're a little sick of it. Then you get injured and you have to sit at home and watch everything go down. And you're stewing. You're stewing. You're not necessarily a person that is known for having the longest temper. So you get pissed. And then someone puts a mic in front of your face. Boom. And you explode. Now, am I forgiving everything CM Punk said or did? Was it professional? No, it wasn't. Was he said or did? But let me ask you I mean, to his thought process, to him, was anything he said wrong, right? You know, I've heard it since that they have, are people are denying that the elite or anybody, uh, the elite actually leaked up uh, information about um, Cole Cabana, which apparently to CM Punk is horribly false. But you have to think about it from his point of view, or you don't, or whatever. But I'm saying, when I think about it from his point of view, I see why what happened happened. And once you get someone going about things that they're pissed about, it's kind of hard to stop them. I, I'm I've, I've been jokingly calling uh, September Fourth Festivus because man, CM Punk aired his grievances and he aired them to everybody, and he he kind of went in on Col- uh, Scott Colton or uh, a Colt Cabana, which I even said this. I was like, I know you don't like to do, but you went in on him on an unnecessary level. But this is who CM Punk is. I I've always liked CM Punk, but. You know, you talk about when there's smoke, there's fire. I've always heard the man's a dick. I heard if you're in his circle and he likes you, oh my God, he will die for you. He will pay your bills. I think it was uh, Joey Mercury uh, we talked about. he, He bought his house. So Joey Mercury wouldn't lose his house. This man is the most loyal friend you can find. But when you're not his friend anymore and you become his enemy... He's the fiercest enemy you can have. So, all this situation, that's how I saw it. That's an alternate take. I tried to look at it from CM Punk's point of view. But, and as I'm going to wrap up my part of the comment before I pass it on to Austin, I fucking love this. This is icky. It is disgusting. It is low down. It is pro wrestling. It is the pro wrestling I grew up on. It was... It is it is Triple H trying to date Stephanie while he's in a relationship with China. It is all it is Harley Race pulling a gun on Hulk Hogan cause, you know, thought he wasn't gonna put him over or something like that. Man, it is Hogan not knowing if Andre's gonna do business on WrestleMania uh three because he's supposed to get body slammed. It is all the disgusting shit I've heard for the forty years Well, I'd say about 35 years of my life where we used to go grab magazines and read it and go to regular internet sites just to find the juicy details of pro wrestling. This is good shit. Now, I will say this, and I will sound like an old man. I will sound cornet ish when I say this. And I don't invoke that name on our podcast a lot because... I don't, des- I don't think he deserves my breath most of the time, even though I did look up to him as a wrestling character. What I want to say is if these motherfuckers don't say fuck your feelings and go out and get this money, it is going to drive me crazy. The main events that could sell out just based on these rumors. I have people I know that don't even follow wrestling asking what's going on with AEW. And this is juicy. It is a soap opera. There is money to be made. I threw some matches out there. I mean, man, just say CM Punk and CM Punk and FTR versus the Elite. CM Punk versus Kenny Omega, which was going to sell out of stadium anyway. CM Punk, Hangman hey 2. CM Punk... The Bucks. I mean, it's CM Punk, FTR, and Wardlow against Hangman, the Bucks, and Kenny Omega, Blood and Guts. Let's go. We can bleed all over this country, and I will be throwing fucking money at all of it. I would throw money at all of it. Dude, basically, you get this war started... AEW, just go ahead and let me set up a direct deposit so I can send 40% of my check to you because that's where it's going to go anyway. Might as well cut out the middleman. Let's get this. This is what AEW needs. They have been stagnant for months. Take this controversy, take all this negative shit and flip it. Flip it and go make money. And that's all I have to say for now. Uh, I will hand it off to our puck I want to say expert, one thing. CM, uh, oh. What's
1: up? I'm sorry, I just want to, I want to say this one thing because I know we don't want to do rebuttals because we'll be here for eight hours. But uh to kind of just what you said, Floyd, this is something that was mentioned in FIFO Select um about money. And it was that there was a according to the FIFO Select that a top cause this obviously went around the business, a top W name told uh Told folks like that the parties involved don't put their issues aside and make money with what's 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 happening. Uh, "Quote: None of them have bi- have any business talking about drawing houses or losing fans or interests. They basically put aside their differences and uh, capitalize off this." All right, and then, well, then uh, I-, I pointed. I was I forgot to mention they pointed to like uh, real life issues between like Matt Hardy and Edge as example.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, well, now here I am, and I know this is the one that people have probably been waiting on. So, we'll just get the uh, we'll get the background at least on this right now. I've made it no secret on this show that CM Punk is my favorite wrestler of all time. I've made it no secret that CM Punk, in a sense, is one of my idols. I've made it no secret that I was uh, became Straight Edge because of CM Punk. Those are all true. And I want to clarify as well, because I know on this show, I've been obnoxious in my fandom and over the top and crazy. And I play that up a lot for this show um, with kayfabe in mind and enjoying like the banter between me and Floyd and my friends on this show. Because uh, it's a lot of fun. I like playing an over, top, over the top fandom version of myself when it comes to CM Punk and the people that I like. It's a lot of fun. Um, but I got to say, like, I'm glad that Floyd's finding uh, joy in the, the dirt and the uh, drama and everything like that. And hey, totally get it. I understand exactly where he's coming from. And um, for me personally, this entire situation to me is just gross in the gross way. It, it quite honestly just doesn't make me feel good as a fan. Um, now... Everything that CM Punk said about Colt Cabana, and, here's, and, I, I, and I got no problems with Colt either. And I need to also point out the fact that, too, like, if I can speak to the IWC, I know they won't listen to me. But it's, if I can just speak, if they choose to listen to me or not, that's fine. We do not have to take sides on this matter. We do not know these people. We are not friends with these people. These people do not know us. The relationship that we have with these wrestlers amount to seeing them live at an arena, seeing them on your television screens, and occasionally seeing them at a convention or meet and greet. That is where the relationship starts and ends. I don't feel like you have to have a side in this situation, which is why, in terms of the fallout of what's going to happen, I'm in the wait and see category. Which I know is going to probably bother people. It's like, oh, the CM Punk fans being like, well, let's just show you what happens, but... Listen, I'm just in that camp right now. Well, in regards to what Punk said about Colt Cabana, and we know this is an issue that has stewed almost a decade uh, worth of time. And this is a situation that's stewed all the way back to, I remember when I went to All In back in 2018. And I was at StarCast One. And I, I have a vivid memory of being in Schaumburg, in, in, in Schaumburg, just outside of Chicago, at StarCast. And one of the early events for Day One was a karaoke night hosted by marty Skrull. and there was a fan at that event who came up and wanted to sing cult of personality and when he asked to sing that song the news about cm punk and colt cabana and their fallout because of the lawsuit from wwe came out and how colt cabana was suing punk for quote leaving him high and dry with legal fees and everyone took colt cabana's side and i know that because people in the crowd when that one fan asked to sing Cult of Personality with Marty Skrull, they booed that fan. They booed the shit out of that fan for wanting to sing Cult of Personality. So in that regard, you know, I'm not surprised that people took Cult's side in that regard. But now Punk has come about with his whole side of that whole situation a few few years after the fact because of the reported leaks that may have come at the hands of the Young Bucks and maybe Kenny Omega, since they are all EVPs. Um, and from everything that Punk says, from what took place with him and Colt, uh, yeah, it's a fucked up situation, and Punk kind of got screwed over by somebody that he thought was his friend. And with the whole idea of the story being leaked out and fuck, and uh, trying to insinuate that Punk got Colt Cabana fired, that is also fucked up. So in a lot of instances in this situation... Punk is absolutely in the right in terms of all of that. Where the problem stems for me is not even the fact of what he said on the podcast uh, on the on the scrum because I've known this the longest thing about CM Punk and I think a lot of people do know this and it's one of the things that people either love or hate about this man is that his mouth is his biggest weapon. And when this man is backed into a corner he is a rabid dog. And in the sense of the Fight that took place after the scrum. It was a three-on-one situation. And when this man was backed into a corner, his mouth was the biggest thing that he did and used. And he shot on every single person he could. And that man it has shown time and time again. If he is has a problem with somebody, if he is angry with somebody, if you piss him off, he will not stay quiet about it for long. And the moment he goes off, because again, this all stemmed back from the feud leading up to Double or Nothing with what Hangman Adam Page said. Which again, in my eyes, wasn't even that big of an issue. I thought the things that Eddie Kingston and MJF said about CM Punk were significantly worse. But the thing that Hangman said was the one that he took offense to. Maybe the only reason I could see it is because it was a babyface versus babyface match. And it was like, what the fuck? Like, why are we making this shit personal? when there's no reason to make it like that. So that's the only way I can take of that. But this shit has brewed for months of leading to this moment at the e I feel like there was probably ample opportunity to squash this, and either one side or the other side or both sides didn't squash it when it needed to be squashed. So then when it got to this point where things were boiling, the pot kicked off when CM Punk wanted to go and rip everyone to pieces on that microphone. And then it got even worse when he got backstage and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega had problems with it and then fists started flying. Now, in terms of the aftermath of this whole situation, first of all, I don't think there's any. If if the reports are true about A Steele, who has only been in this company for I want to say probably a week and a half, he needs to be gone. It's just that simple. You've been with this company for not even over two weeks. And you have said an unsolicited F-bomb on television when this company has already apparently gotten requests to kind of tone down the language. And then you have reportedly thrown a chair and bit somebody. Your wife being in the vicinity does not make it any better because what the fuck would she think about this situation? Because I know, like, I've there's a lot of people It's like, you know what? Don't be an idiot in that regard. So I don't think it's a bad I, bad situation to say that, like, suspended, let go, doesn't matter. Like, A-Steel, get out. It's that simple. And hell, I didn't even know who A-Steel was up until last week. You can call me a fake fan for that if you want. I really don't care. But I didn't know he had any relation to CM Punk or whatnot. Truly didn't know. Just when, didn't when fuck. It, when they were teaming together, you were, like, two, so... Exactly, so <laughs> excuse me if I was unfamiliar with the situation, but I don't really care. And just because I like CM Punk doesn't mean I like all of his friends because, again, I don't know him as a person. I know him as a wrestler on my television screen. That is where the relationship starts and ends. In terms of the fallout for everybody else, we saw everything get situated with Eddie Kingston and, and Sammy Guevara's backstage beef. Eddie got suspended for two weeks. And there's probably going to be fallout here. If you think any of these four are getting fired, I think you're living in a pipe dream. And that's just how I feel. But is could a, some of them be suspended? I absolutely believe that. But regardless, this should have never gotten to this point. And there's obviously a problem with communication in regards to AEW. And also, Tony Khan has lost complete control, I feel like, in terms of his locker room. There's been way too many stories that have been coming out about this type of shit, and... Ironically, it feels like when Cody left, all of a sudden there was just nobody that was kind of like that locker room leader, that person that people could go to or whatnot. And now that we have all these uh, people who, yes, CM Punk has an ego. Absolutely. You cannot deny that. Everybody in wrestling in in some form or another has an ego. Tony Khan is trying to placate these people and honestly is not familiar with running this type of backstage problems. And you could tell that by the amount of faces he was making when CM Punk was going on and on and on, and nobody stopped him. Did I think he should have been out there that long? No, I don't even think these Punk should have been on media. The fact that they willingly put a microphone in front of him when we knew how pissed off and they knew how pissed off he was was a mistake in itself. We should have never gotten to this situation. This should have been stuff that should have been handled and kept backstage and settled, and just not got to this point. And it's disappointing that it got to this point. I feel like everybody, in a sense, is in the wrong in some way or another. And I'm just like, you know, I'm just sitting here being like, come on, kumbaya, come on, make money out of this shit. Absolutely. We, you got so many chances to make all this stuff and put it into storyline and get some real fuel going for it. Absolutely. But it also should have never happened in that way. I shouldn't have to hear about Nick Jackson getting knocked out by a chair. I shouldn't have to hear about... Biting. I shouldn't have to hear about CM Punk saying EVPs can't run a target in this company, and that he's hurt and tired and old and worked with fucking children. I love CM Punk, but I know when you piss this man off, he's not a happy person to be around. Regardless if you're cool with him or not. And look, if 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 people are thinking like, oh, are you going to stop liking CM Punk because of this? No, it's just not. It's just not going to happen. Because again. He's still my favorite wrestler. And also we had questions of if CM Punk was released or fired or if he left AEW, would I stop watching? To which I say that is a stupid question. I'm sorry yeah. if I'm being rude in that regard, but that's a stupid question. I followed AEW during before all in. I was watching Being the Lead on YouTube. I was watching the Young Bucks in the Elite and when they were in Bullet Club. I was watching them when they were in Ring of Honor and their New Japan matches, I've been fan, a fan of Kenny Omega since like well before AEW was a thing. Um, I was at All In before AEW was a thing. And hell, even in the Young Bucks book, they talked about trying to get CM Punk and they said they didn't need him. And you know what? For those first few years, they really didn't need him. They just got him when they were on, fi- on hot fire and it helped them do great numbers because at the end of the day, CM Punk is a big money draw. And yes, even if it may have pissed off people, he was absolutely a huge reason as to why Double or Nothing was their first million dollar gate. And now they've done three million dollar gates back to back to back. And CM Punk, in a sense, had a little bit to do with all of them, even though people were buying Forbidden Door even before they knew CM Punk was wrestling on that show. Like, it's that straight up. But regardless, um, I will not stop watching AEW if Punk is gone. I will not stop doing this show. I... AW is still my favorite wrestling company. There is still, right now, genuine problems that need to be sorted with this locker room, with the communication, with settling problems going on. I don't think anybody can disagree with that because this is getting to the point where, like, this can't be like a Bush leak thing. Y'all got to get this sorted out. I'm sorry. And quite honestly, I think that's all I got to say because it's just, that's I wanted to get it all out because I we don't want to talk any more up and down about this. It's just a gross situation, in my opinion, and we just want to talk about the wrestling. That's all we want to do. The, all this shit, like, you know, if it's not presented on our TV screens, we don't really want to talk about it, or at least I don't want to talk about it, but it's been too much to not talk about. So if anybody, closing thoughts, if for anybody, just wrap it up in, like, Less than five minutes. If you want, go ahead.
1: Uh, I'll, I'll put a quick yeah. I'll put a quick bow on it because um, just there, to there's a few things. One, um, everything we're getting right now was fragmented. So um, I know everybody, you're gonna have your team CM Punk fans, you're gonna have your team Elite fans, just because fans that's just how people are. But everything you're getting is fragmented. So there's gonna be a lot more that's gonna come out in the next week or two, um, where. The backstage, the powers that be, are literally going to figure out who, ha- who bears responsibility and how much of that responsibility. And rightly so, because at the end of the day, you don't, you know, we're hearing the story about he said this. Okay, who confronted who? Who threw a first punch? Like, literally, they're going to dissect everything and figure out their course of action. That takes time. <clears throat> So there's going to be more information that's going to come out uh, from, you know, and that's going to be for better or for worse. Uh, so just, I know people d- jump to conclusions. Honestly, I've jump, I've said a piece where I may be wrong. And, you know, that's by fault for saying something that maybe I shouldn't have. I just blame everybody because I think everybody plays a part on it, on both sides and Tony Khan. The last thing I was going to say, though, is that based on reports right now, it doesn't look like any of those involved will be at Dynamite in Buffalo as we're recording late Tuesday, early Wednesday for for you on the East Coast. Um, and so, like, we're probably not going to get answers by tomorrow. Like, this is definitely something that's going to carry on into, like, a week. Like, And then the, the thing is, and I know this, if you weren't around for the Montreal sc- screw job. This is our Montreal screw job, like, and with social media. So this thing is as big as it's going like is going to continue to just keep building until once we hear what the like the actual end result from a w is, and then you're gonna hear more from fans and then eventually it'll die out after that. But this is going to linger for for a while.
2: Well, my final thoughts is I look to help put a bow on the situation is. I want to reiterate what Austin said. Uh, You don't need to really take a side in this situation. I mean, for me, I don't know the backstage information about what's happening or whatever. Um, As far as the question, I was very clear. I started watching AEW before I even knew there was a chance CM Punk would join. Before I even knew, Tony Khan wanted CM Punk to join, so... Yeah, I'm going to keep watching. And I just want to throw out this. My team, my favorite wrestlers, my actual favorite wrestlers, hold three different belts and are the most push tag team in this company. So, I'm good. I mean, I like CM Punk. Don't get me wrong. He's not my favorite wrestler. Never has been. Probably never will be. Well, he actually, hold on. There was this two-year period that I can honestly say he was probably my favorite wrestler. But... That was a long, long time ago. That was over 10 years ago. It was probably back when he was still friends with uh, Scott Colton. So, um, yeah, that's all I have to say. It's like, and I, you know, even people have assumed that FTR is going to be on Punk's side. I don't know what side they're on. I don't talk to them about that kind of crap. When I actually do get the few seconds to talk to them, I don't talk to them about that kind of crap because it's not for me to know. You know, this is fun. I like hearing it. I like the rumors. I like speculating. What if this is a work? What if it's not a work? Man, I live for this shit. I've I've had a whole full day smorgasbord of news today, and I love it. But when you, if you ask me straight up, whose side are you on? I'm on wrestling side. I'm always on wrestling side. I just want good wrestling. Better wrestling to me is better when it's soap opera. It's a it's fifty percent soap opera. athletic performance right I want stories I can sink my teeth in and then dope ass matches that's what I want generally when people actually have real life beats that makes for great stories and dope ass matches so let's go and that's all that's my final piece on it
0: Okay, and if you want to, like, I'll say too, I, because I know specifically I've been the one that's getting the most comment. If if for some reason I miss something that you want me to if, go further deeper into, DM me on Twitter, just at Austin Sumowitz. Just DM me if you're curious, because I'm I'm more than willing to like go deeper into the explanation if you if I didn't touch on something for some reason. But I feel like we've touched on everything. But yeah, I'm not gonna stop being a fan of punk. It's just not not gonna happen, and. Even though, like, I, I, I very well know I'm, I'm a fan of a dick, probably. So, it is what it is. Regardless, let's talk about wrestling, please. We're going to get into All Out, but we'll start off with Zero Hour uh, to get things going. Uh, first off was a AAA World Mixed Tag Team Championship match between Ty Mello and Sammy Guevara versus Ortiz and Ruby Soho. We opened up with uh, them talking backstage with Tony Schiavone and they were in the middle of sticking each other's tongues down each other's uh, tonsils until we heard honking and we see Ruby Soho and Ortiz on a golf cart and Ruby giving the most psychotic face I've ever seen in my life. And I loved it. And of course, Sammy Guevara continuing the uh, the trend of you're driving something hit me with that fucking thing. And that's exactly what happened. So these guys are all fighting the shit out of each other and beating each other up. We got into the ring and stuff started going down. Uh, There was a moment where Sammy Guevara launched Ty into the air. Ty landed on Ortiz and then proceeded to hit Ortiz with a Canadian Destroyer, which was fucking crazy. Um, Eventually, however, uh, Ruby Soho was about ready uh, to... uh, Uh, do something but then Anna Jay pulls Ruby Soho off the apron but this time Anna Jay was thrown into the steel ring steps by Ruby however after Ty was superplexed after Ty superplexed Ruby off of the turnbuckles onto Ortiz Sammy uh, onto Ortiz and Sammy on the floor Anna Jay got in grabbed Ruby's legs and that was Ty Mello hit Ty KO on Ruby Soho and got the win they retained the championships yeah, you kind of knew that was going to be the outcome. Uh, decent opening, I feel like, um, despite the fact that, you know, you know me personally, I wish Ruby Soho was doing a little bit more. But, hey, I mean, at least she's done zero hour. That's all I can say. Um, and then Ortiz, I'm glad that they're still trying to keep him involved while they still wait for Santana to get healed up from his injury, though. But I thought this was fine enough. Oh, J-R, yeah, I will go to you first. Yes. Oh, never mind. Floyd, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, it was
2: a very exciting match. A uh, very great way, with the, especially with the uh, the golf cart, of starting the show and getting the crowd like into it. I just thought about it in that different way. There were some nasty bumps in it uh, in the match. Uh, a good old uh, Ruby took a spot on the head. I hope she's okay. Uh, but yeah, it was just a really like fun match and a great way to get started. Jr.
1: Um, I'm gonna say this now because that way I don't say it again. For as we continue through all out uh, the all out coverage, um, having 15 matches on a what would end up being a five hour show is just way too much, and it's just it brings me back memories of uh, Mania marathon in New York, where it's just like, dude, like we could cut some of this out. This was a match, like, and I'm sorry, not everybody has to be on the show. I just don't feel that everybody needs to be on the show and, you know, you have people for three nights in Chicago for all out week. You could spread some of those matches over it and some like, and I'll give you an example later, one that you could that could have been to help build up a dynamite or rampage, but I just didn't feel it was necessary. And, and I, you know, Sammy, I, I was on Sammy's bowling team at Full Gear last year. I talked to him. He's fucking awesome. But dude has, from what I've seen online, from, you know, reactions in the crowd and what I've seen with, you know, people talking, the dude has go away heat with him and Tate. Like, I think the dude needs to go away every package Just just being Sammy Guevara and Tate would do her own thing because it just ain't working. I'm like, that's just in my opinion. It was cool, though. He got his ass hit by a golf cart. Dude takes fucking bumps like crazy, but he bumps like hell. I, I mean, ain't, ain't no better bumper in AEW, I think, than Sammy Guevara.
0: Yeah, I I don't think necessarily they have go-away heat. I do think this is the—like, for them being heel, this is the best instances of them doing heel shit. Um, I just think, though, the, the problem with them is that most of their heel stuff has stemmed from, like, stuff that has been— found on social media and backstage with the Eddie, the Eddie uh, Kingston stuff. And then of course, everything that led to their relationship and the drama that led before when they, that was confirmed and everyone being like, wait, but what about who Sammy was with before? And then that whole thing, that's the problem with that was that like people had issues, genuine issues with what happened uh, with everything with them. So that's why the heat feels a little bit more exceptional, I guess, with those two. But Yes, I do agree. The show was extremely long. Um, I could feel a little bit of uh, the crowd struggling so hard because they had moments where they were really gassed, really going. And then it took them like maybe a match or two to really start recharging. You could I, definitely see that. I do want to throw this out there. And I had this idea.
2: AEW, especially on the long shows, their pay-per-views, and needs to sign an endorsement advertising deal with an energy drink and about halfway through the show that that Ed energy drink, whether it's bang red bull or whatever should run around giving people in the crowd energy drinks <laughs> and to get them wings. Cause red Bull gives I mean- you wings to get you through that second half of the show. I'm just telling you, it's a perfect, it's a perfect marriage of two things. Because like really, three two and a half hours in, all I could go for right there was a monster to help me finish out. I I've been doing this a long time, so I'm able to find that second win really quick. But yeah, I saw some eyes rolling up in the back of in their head. I saw people just flat out staring at their phone because they were just done. And it's like, dude, energy drinks, go get that. Hey,
1: honestly, it's not a bad idea. I mean, because. I mean Rockstar used to sponsor uh Strike Force, MMA, uh UFC and Bellator, I believe, are both sponsored by Monsters. C4 is sponsoring WWE now. It's not a bad idea. But I think the other thing too, and this is the last part I was, I was gonna say was well one, you're right. I'm sorry, I'm going back to what said Austin. Like a lot of this stems from online, which is hey, that's his of, I'm sorry, that's his personal business and that's on him. It's just it has spilled over though. So I think by them embracing it may not have been the best thing but hey i'm not the one that's booking aw but i think the part of that though is what i felt watching the pay-per-view and i'm trying to like on you know at home and i'm trying to think back when i was at double or nothing because double or nothing i felt was the exact same way was too many matches is that nothing breathes. i feel like we're going match 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 like there was like nothing like in between and even in a situation like you know, whether it was that you know WWE or or even MMA, even when you have quick knockouts, there's always something that kind of goes like that to breathe in between. Sometimes it could be a video package, it could be um, even if it's not has nothing to do with the pay per view, it could be a video package for the next match. Just something to get the crowd like a breather to get back into the next match. Because I mean, unless I'm wrong. You know, obviously, Floyd, you were there, Austin, you saw it too. But did it feel like there were literally like it was match after match after match? There was nothing oh in between. It was, it was, I, it was so great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I actually wasn't too was gassed real, with that real, show, real. honestly.
1: I mean, which one? Uh, double or nothing? No, I'm saying, but with, I'm saying with, I'm not saying gas in that sense, but between double, or, but with both of them, did it feel? And I'm, I'm speaking talking about all out. Like it was match after match. Like there was
0: nothing in between I do think AEW needs to do more video packages. I think they 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 miss a huge opportunity to like give their editing team a real chance to shine because I feel like we see so many great things with the way that they present stuff with like their road two series on YouTube. I feel like the editing team really shines in those regards. And I don't think we get enough of that like before matches. Cause it at least gives you a moment to kind of recollect yourself and be, like, getting into the feeling of, like, okay, this is the story that we're getting. Um, more video packages would be something that I would absolutely say for pay-per-views, because I think they're a great way of, like, just contextualizing stories and just giving the fans a chance to be, like, all right, here we go. Here comes this thing now.
2: Well, I'll just say this. When you're in the building and you're watching the show, and I, like I have said, I do know there's some people that get tired and You know, people that are as old as they are and they need uh, to go to bed or whatever. (laughs) Me, I'm like, dude, keep it coming. Dude, you don't understand. I watch the product. So video packages might make it better for the more casual person. But for me, it's like I remember having to sit through five minute video packages, basically recapping everything I've watched for like the last month. And I just want to stab myself. So. I don't know. I find it refreshing that they is just going and going and there's no like buffer or like, it's just go after, t- uh, go out there and tear it up. And yeah, this to me, this started a really good zero hour. All
0: right. Well then we'll move now to the, the, uh, FTW championship match between cool hand, Angela Parker with the Addy magic, Matt Menard on ringside with hook and at fucking, uh, the front row of the show, we had the big man himself, motherfucking Action Bronson, at the goddamn show. About time. Like, I'm so happy we got to see Action Bronson. I fucking love Hook's theme song. Like, the chairman's intent is such a dope song for a walkout song, for a theme song, for an entrance music. Outstanding. Um, the match itself was just Hook beat the shit out of uh, Angela Parker until... Uh, Angela Parker tapped out. That's when Matt Menard jumped hook afterwards. and then Action Bronson jumps in the ring and proceeds to just start throwing these fuckers. Like, I loved how Action Bronson got involved. I thought it was great., uh, just a really cool uh, use. Um, and, um, yeah, I thought it was awesome. I loved seeing Action Bronson. That was a super cool moment. Uh, match itself, you know, it was Hook beating the shit out of somebody in not a lot of time, and like, you know, you can't really comment too much about the technicality of the match, but Hook is great. I, Hook is literally one of those guys that's just like, you know, you can't find too many flaws with him, I feel
1: like. JR, we go to you first. Um, I, when I see Hook, I'm just so impressed, and I made this joke, and people get mad. I'm like, there is a person that's sitting up in Connecticut being, God damn it, why can't uh Dominic be Hook? Because <laughs> I swear, I was like, if I was I would I would trade I would trade Ray Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio, Corey Graves for Taz and Hook. Like I would trade the farm. I would trade four first round picks. I would trade everything for because Hook is I would such just cut net- Corey
0: Graves. I wouldn't even trade him, but go ahead. <laughs> I have to say, he's
1: such a natural, he's such a natural athlete. Like, he he gets it, he gets the movements, he gets, you know, even he, even though he does the stuff that's, like, you know, the same stuff, but just his movements that you can see and how he moves around, he's just, it's in him, he gets it, and he has a great look. And, um, you know, I think... What what they've been doing with him. I mean, how, how long has this been going on now? Like I I might lose track of time because every year in the last three years feels like a dog year. But has it been close to a year?
0: Uh, since Hook has been like just on his own. Uh I think yeah, it's been like,
1: since
0: I think it's been since Team Taz just kinda of like spread it out and stuff like that. So I think Hook's first singles match was like late December, I think maybe.
1: So I'll get, you know, I'll get a confirmation um, on that real quick. This December 8, 2021 is what I have it. Okay. Um, so but but close to like 10 months. So like he just they're slowly bring him along and you know, this is the right way because you know, people you get to see him, you get to see what he does. He's nothing sniff, he's nothing major, he's not getting rushed. I mean, it's you know, there's a lot of things that I can criticize AEW for and because and Floyd hears it all the time. But this, they're doing this right and I love them. And I as much as I fucking hate the Jericho Appreciation Society, I love cool and cool hand Angelo Parker and, and Daddy Magic. They're the most just hilarious. Everything they do, I think, is perfect. They have a great look. This I enjoyed this a lot. And and I agree with you with Action Bronson, uh, you know, him, the song is amazing. So um just keep doing this over and over as much time as you know, and for another year, because people love to see him. and Then eventually, that boy is going to be ready to take over.
2: Match was match. I don't really have anything to add to what Jr. said. Match was what it was. Hook is super, super over. I do want to throw out there from the All Out Fan Fest: a hundred dollars to meet Hook is too much. That's why they, <laughs> they, they only. Sold, I think they only sold four. I'm not even joking. Like, yeah, he was out there. He took, like, four pictures and then he left, and there was no one else there. That's just too much, dude. Like, come on.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I I, I need to add, I think, I'm just going to be honest, I think all of them should go down at least $25. Yeah, no, they have absolutely upped the prices, like, big time. Yeah,
2: they didn't, you know, (sighs) I mean, you know, we don't have to go to them, but I'm just saying, I imagine you want people at them. I'm just going to throw that out there, and if you want people out there, you should probably price them a little bit more reasonable. Just saying. Just, just saying. Just saying.
0: We then had the All Atlantic Championship match between the bastard Pack and the returning Kip Sabian in his first match back since uh his um his return and attacking a Pack uh with him finally getting the box off his head. Um and this was a good little match. Uh, there was um, a lot more of an th- instance of Kip using that box as a, as a character moment for him. There was a specific moment where he proceeded to uh, uh, dodge the black arrow and then hit a DDT, and then he proceeded to go over to the box that was on the timekeeper's table being like, tell me what to do. Um, however, Pac proceeded to uh, hit the black arrow on Kip, and uh, get the win and beat uh, Kip Sabian, who was then looking at the box and screaming and just being like, this is your fault. And then we had Pac get interviewed by Tony Schiavone immediately after match and then interrupted by freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. And Pac is like, no, no. We've been here before. You're a joke. You know how that ended. You are not a wrestler. You are a joke. Get in the back of the line. And Orange Cassidy just looks at him and then Pac walks away. So the match was solid. Um, I hmm, don't necessarily know how far you can go with this Kip. I like I like Kip Sabian. I like how he's been able to kind of keep himself at least around while he recovered from his injury and while they built his inevitable return. I don't know how far you go with the box thing. I really don't. I just don't know. Um, maybe if there was an instance where it was like he had this weird fixation on the box and then Penelope Ford had to get involved or something like that, that I think would be interesting. But at least what be, what is being presented with it right now, it's, it's weird, but I just don't... Hmm, I just don't know exactly how well this is going to work. But I'm willing to see it out, though, because I think Kip Sabian has a lot of potential.
1: Yeah, for me, um, it was... decent. I... I was with it, and you know, up and then up until he, you know, took took it off. And yeah, I just think he looks, he has a such, a, he always looked great. I mean, he's he looks like he would out of came out of Amber Comi and Fitch catalog. He has such, you know, he's such a, you know, has a great look to him. But he taking the box out and having that black beard with that platinum hair, I think it looks even more amazing. Looks. You know, looks. I don't know if the correct word is like he's aged, but he looks aged though. He looks like he grew up like it, it, you know, a decade by just having it, and he looks like he's ready to be somebody and hold a, t- a title. But doing the whole, it just kind of to me reminiscent of Al Snow. I want to take him serious. He should be taken serious now. And having the box, I think, is is not a good idea. I think they should bring back. Penelope with him because I thought they worked well together. Give her, uh, you know, a, um, a, a new look that would be similar to what Kip has. I think that's part of professional wrestling is just adapting. You know, you find something to adapt, change, transform, um, you know, some of the, the greats in the history of professional wrestling, you do that. And because it's important to keep your character, you know, from being stale. And I think this changes characters, not be stale, but I, I don't like the, the, I think they just get rid of that. It's a little bit too, you know, you know, too corny or cheesy or something. I'm trying to find the right word. And I can't.
2: Well, I love it. I've loved the box thing since he first started and not knowing where it's going. Uh This man got over. And I'm, when I say that, When he came into the ring after not wrestling for however long he wrestled, and literally his girl being the most over one in that group, he came out there to a roar of the crowd and everybody. There was people in the audience that had the boxes on their head trying to dress like Kip. I'm just saying, you want to talk about someone that took an injury and then came back to be way more successful than he was, it's him. So with that, I'm going to give him time to show me what the character is. feel like he's earned that from how over he was in the match. I think he needed to look better in the match. I think Pac need to give him a little bit more because you have to show improvement. And AEW is a company where you can get over in a loss. All you have to do is, you know, sometimes be close. And I just don't, I felt like it was just Pac just won and i and it's like you could have given him a little more to make him look better so i am of the opinion that yeah uh you could have gave him a little bit more and but you know that's neither here nor there i thought it it was, it was a successful return and of course i hope we get kip and penelope some more but fun match fun character you need you need stuff like this on your show you need stuff I like this, a little lighter, a little less serious.
0: Yeah, Um, and I I agree. I do think he has done well to get himself over with his look uh, while recovering, and I do think, yeah, it it gives a little bit more leeway. Like, we'll see where this goes. But next, we have the final match on Zero Hour and the best match on Zero Hour, Tomohiro Ishii versus Mad King Eddie Kingston. Chop, 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 chop. Chop, 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 chop. Somebody get ice for these two and like permanently like just have them wear ice underneath their shirts at this point. was Jesus fucking Christ. They just wouldn't stop chopping each other. It was absolutely insane. My sister Sydney and my dad actually went to go see this in one of our local theaters that was actually playing it. When my dad saw this match, he could not stop laughing at the fucking amount of chops. Um, These guys killed each other. They beat the living hell out of each other. Eddie Kingston got the win and showed the respect to Tomohiro Ishii. Um, And uh, yeah, it was an absolutely outstanding, just beat the shit out of each other match. And these two just did crazy good work i couldn't believe just how much they were just laying into each other and it was just absolutely wild uh yeah i still think it's the best match on zero hour um and just christ almighty they were killing each other jr we go to you
1: um i'm trying to as i'm going through the match the match listing you know as a memory recollection Because I'm a savage and I love big, as the term goes, big beanie men slapping me. This may have been my favorite match on the card. Uh, Probably my my second favorite match of the whole weekend of this crazy wrestling weekend. Um, And if you look at Tomohiro Ishii, you know, Eddie Kingston was slapping them. They actually both were not slapping each other like straight the middle of their chest. They were hitting, as it was coming through, Eddie Kingston's hand was almost like... You know, basically his his fingertips could kind of touch Tomohiro Ishii's arm. And if you look by the end of that, like if you look in that vicinity, how beat red, because you could see like on, you know, Eddie Kingston, you know, yeah. he, he's lighter skinned. Ishii Ishi looked like but, Cody for a minute. Oh, it looked like red, purple, blue, like at least three different colors of a rainbow because it was dark and it was. Fucking nasty! They, um, for those of you, if you if you didn't watch, I will tell you to watch one match that's not AEW related this weekend. Watch Sheamus versus Gunther that came out on Saturday, and these- his name is Walter. Yes, I, I, he's always be watching my heart. I'm trying to wrap my head around Gunther, and it's not really working, <laughs> but he's always be watching my heart. Anyways, it's like those guys saw that match, fucking tremendous, and they went. We're going to do everything we can to one-up you because we're going to kill each other in, our, in that ring by slapping the shit out of each other as hard and as many times as possible. Um, it was it was brutal, and I love every minute of it. This is, you know, this... I don't know. It's not... Somebody called it strong style or king art style or something like that. Um, I'm not very familiar with my... Uh, you know, I for international wrestling, I, I look to other people who are better experts. I'm trying to think of the actual term that i saw online but whatever it was this was this is what my type of wrestling is thinking
2: about king's road style
1: yes that's what they said that was what they said someone said strong style versus king road style that's what they said in this match
2: well this was everything i thought it was gonna be this was my match of the weekend match of the night and literally for the first five, maybe ten minutes of the match, all they did was chop, and you would have th- you would have thought from the reaction of the crowd being in the building, they were uh, throwing her karanas and uh, Canadian destroyers. These dudes literally own the crowd with a chop fest. And Eddie Kingston, I will say this is the best ten minute match guy in wrestling, and. It might go up to 15, but you get what I mean. If you need a short, impactful match, put the person in there with Eddie Kingston and let them beat them shit out of each other for 10 to 15 minutes. I'm like all my like like my most memorable matches. I'm like Kingston versus Miro, Kingston versus Punk, where they just go in there and they just beat the shit out of each other. And that's what this match was. Ishii, Dude, just love watching him wrestle. Love watching this man work. He he is he is one of one. You can be like, well, this wrestler is like this. Ishii is like Ishii. That's it. There's no other comparison. Same same thing with Eddie Kingston. You can't even compare them to each other, even though they work a similar style, because they're such unique individuals. This match was everything I wanted to to be. I imagine Big E. Sitting at home in Tampa just shaking in his body because this is the wrestling he was talking about. Big meaty men bumping meat. I loved it. Now we move to the main show. We forgot to say that. Five stars. Damn straight. I don't don't think a match has to be 30 minutes. If you do a perfect match, you deserve five stars. This
0: match was perfect in the amount of time that it took. All right. We go to the main show now with the casino ladder match opening things off between Claudio Castagnoli, the Ring of Honor World Champion, the Ring of Honor Pier Champion, Wheeler Yuta, the the Lucha Bros, Penta El Zero Miro and Ray Fenix, Frouche and Andrade Alido and Dante Martin and who would be the Joker. Now, I have a quarry with this um, because this was uh, not how the previous casino ladder matches were done, if I'm not mistaken. They didn't do it like a Royal Rumble match tr- turned into a ladder match, right? That wasn't how these previous ones were done, correct? This is the first time they've done it where two men started and then everyone else came out after time came- ran down, correct?
1: Am I wrong? No, I, be- I, I believe this is exactly how it goes down because this is how Brian Cage debuted at Double or Nothing twenty twenty. So they have done this. Be-
0: they have done this before. I, Are I you was, sure? Are you sure? Because they, they, I thought I okay. thought that they just had, and now the Joker, and then all six of them started going.
1: So I I distinctly remember this. Brian Cage, the match was already going, and he came out as the Joker once the match had already started. So I okay. I will go that far. The Joker came way after the match started. Okay, so regardless, as as
0: regardless say. of the fact, regardless of the fact, though, I understand that. I don't I don't like the whole fucking countdown thing for a ladder match because it just gives no you you know no one's winning the winning the goddamn ladder match until everybody gets out in the ring. If they made it a rule where like you couldn't go after the chip until everybody got in the ring, then it's fine. Like if then that's like you like you wait for the chip to be lowered once the joker comes in and then the chip gets lowered, um then that's fine. Otherwise, I don't like that rule. I well, get it's to hide the joker for as long as possible. I don't like that rule.
2: Well, technically, this time the person won before they got in the ring.
0: I understand that, but still, <laughs> yeah. I understand that, but still,
1: that's just what but I want to actually, say. I just don't, I don't like it. To what you said, uh, you know, Austin, they did try to address that on commentary, where somebody I don't remember who they said maybe it was. Uh, I don't think it was Ross. I think it was because he was not there. I think it was Shivani. Why doesn't the two guys in the ring just one of them grabs a chip and I think Tash try cover up? It's like. Well, you gotta, you know, beat beat your opponent and it's gonna be very difficult to try to leave so in this early in the match to try to you know, subdue him to go get the chip. I agree with you. It's it's very simple. what you just said is very similar to war games. You know, two men start, but the match does not technically start until all men are in the ring. Exactly. That's so I, I agree I think that's a, a great idea because it does You can just have to-
0: the chip be lowered down once the Joker comes in. That's just that's just that's just how I feel at least, regardless of the fact. Tony Khan, take notes, Let's please. Talk. And also, yes, please. But regardless, uh, the match itself was a lot of fun. Crazy amounts of spots too. Like fucking Andro- uh Claudio proceeding to lift two ladders that were being had that had Andrade on top of it, and they were connected to each other, and he was just lifting it from the bottom with all that weight on it, it was fucking crazy. Dante Martin was a madman with the shit that he was doing. Um, There was even a point where, like, somebody came in. I think it was fucking Andrade. I think it was uh, Roosh or something. But as somebody was coming in, just the goddamn ladder fell, and they had to adjust on the fly because the ladder fell as one of the new entrants got in the ring, which was scary as hell. However... Um, After the huge moments, which was Penta hitting a Canadian Destroyer on a ladder on Andrade, which was fucking crazy, and then a frog splash onto Roosh from Fenix through a table, everything hit those high spots, and then we had a bunch of men dressed in black jump in the ring, to which my immediate response was, oh, dear God, it's Retribution. No, get this off my screen. Uh, However... Climbing up onto the ladder was an unmasked Stokely Hathaway, and then everyone around the ring who had the masks on was the Gun Brothers, Will uh, uh, W. Morrissey, Lee Moriarty, and Ethan Page. So Stokely Hathaway and his crew had been busy. And then as the Joker came out after Stokely already had the chip, Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones started playing, and another masked man came out, and he had like a devil mask, almost like if you guys have played Spider-Man on the PlayStation 4, literally what those characters looked like, the villains in, in Spider-Man 4 and Spider-Man on PS4. I'm just saying straight up what they look like. Stokely Hathaway uh, hands the chip to the Joker and Justin Roberts is confused as fuck me. Like, here's your winner, the Joker. And he starts to go, oh, I'm going to take off the mask. And he goes, and he's like, no, 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 no. And we would find out later in the show who is the masked man, which I guess we'll just say it right now with no need to wait on it because we already said about Punk winning oh, the no, title. Just, no, no,
1: no, no. Wait, okay. Wait, what are you doing? Go ahead. Go ahead, man. Look, go ahead. Um, You got to wait. <laughs> Fine. If you want to make him wait, god damn, I don't. I'm trying to make sure we get to bed on time, god damn it. Okay. Um, so, uh, this match. First of all, I swear to God, I swear to everything I love dearly. T- Tony Khan pays Dante Martin. Go out there and bump and dive, kid. That dude is insane.
2: I think did you did we or did you we lose you Jr.
0: For a uh, split second, I believe we did. Yeah. Yep. 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 He's he's chopping out every little bit. <laughs> super.
2: Super interesting. Super interesting. See,
0: that's Aww. what you get for calling me out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. I I understand your point, Jr. Yep. Yep. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Great. Great yes. point. Well, I I'm am smarter jump, than. you. I am going to go ahead and jump in here while he's having technical difficulties. Um oh. Yeah. This was brilliant. Um, it this was brilliant. I it, it didn't even have to turn out to be who had ended up turning out the beat. And I thought this was brilliant because the reason I I say that is because you get formulaic in some of the ways you do things on wrestling. And it was like, everybody was expecting, you know, the car crash show and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, everybody had their thoughts, but nobody, everybody had their thoughts on who it would be, but nobody had it going down like this. And I just thought the way it went down was brilliantly done. Uh perfectly just like executed and the excitement and unfortunately for me, I'm s i am watched too closely. Ethan Page's mask kinda came off. So before they even took their mask off, I was like, oh, it's the seven that Stokely has been uh recruiting or whatever. Because yeah, I saw his mask come off and I was like, oh and uh William Morrissey's seven foot tall. I I just throw that throw that out there. Who the hell else was it going to be? He's seven foot tall. That's like two people could have been. It could be him and Hickle. That's it. So, um, yeah, I just thought this was brilliantly done. Uh, I heard some people online didn't like it this much, but I was like, I was like bowing to the, uh, I was bowing at the
0: altar of Tony for this match. All right. And uh, we'll keep going until we get Jr. back in the fold. Now we can Can hear you. you. Go ahead. We, we okay, lost. I'm sorry.
1: Moment. Yeah. Uh, what I was trying to say was, is that uh, Dante Martin is a natural-born luchador. That dude could be making a lot of money in Mexico wrestling. on Ijo, the Viking uh, down there, because he's just, he's insane. It was, I enjoyed the match. The whole spot, Floyd was just had, I heard everything Floyd said mentioned. Um, I think a lot of people may have not liked it because it was, in my opinion, it was not a AEW type spot. It's very much a New York type spot. But in the end, it all made sense on how it worked out and was done. And I think it was done purposely to be the very first match of the night so people can potentially forget all of it until everything that happened as the show went off the air.
0: All right. Yeah, I think that's a, a great way to put it. Yeah, for sure. We then go to the AEW World Trios Championship Finals between the Elite, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, and Hangman and Page and the Dark Order. And yeah, they stole the show, and they were absolutely trying to do so. As Kenny Omega said when he got in front of the camera after the match was over, being like, you boys in the back, try following that bitch, Um, which people have seen as a prelude into what would happen after the show. But again, not talking about that anymore. Uh, These guys absolutely went fucking crazy. False finishes galore. Tons of great tag team work. Alex Reynolds got a huge chant. Love that. Shout out Alex Reynolds getting that spot. John Silver, again, insane. The things that this little dude can do. It's outstanding, the work he does. Reigniting the feud between Hangman and Kenny Omega was amazing. Created a huge moment. The Young Bucks still trying to do a little bit of like, Uh, work on that, too. And also the great story work of Hangman trying to still do right by the Young Bucks by not having the Dark Order like target Matt Jackson's back, to which they respond, fuck you, dude. We're trying to win a championship. You guys have all won championships, and we haven't. Completely reasonable way to think, honestly. And I think Hangman was being a little stupid in that regard, being like, no, don't hurt his back. We're trying to win. Uh, And regardless of the fact, it all started going crazy. Um, and eventually the match ended up losing uh, when they proceeded to go for Buck. Hangman goes for Buckshot Lariat on Kenny. He dodges it, and on inadvertently, John Silver gets knocked out. Kenny Omega then rolls into pin Silver as Matt Jackson is grabbing Hangman as he's trying to get through to stop the pinfall. Can't make it in time. The Elite are your first AEW World Trios champions, and Hangman is distraught because he caused this. After saying so much that he wanted to do right by the Dark Order and give them their moment in the sun, he was the thing that cost the Dark Order their moment. Outstanding character work, outstanding moment to close out that match. Great storytelling. Action was nonstop. I don't think it's I don't think it's hard to say that this was match of the night. I really don't think so. Um granted I I do definitely lean more for towards the chop fest just because they fucking were insane. Um, I I think it's fair to say either this or or Ishii and Kingston was their match of the night. These guys did unreal levels of work, and I loved this match. It was insane.
1: Uh, well, I am uh, I am more of a strong style you know British strong style type wrestling fan but I do appreciate you know matches like this um while I'm not a big elite fan I appreciate what they bring to the table and I wanted the Dark Order to win I've been a huge John Silver fan because one I think he's hilarious but two I genuinely think he is a great wrestler this, and it, the tag team move that he does, and I mentioned before, I, it was I, first time I saw it was him and Reynolds versus Cody and Cardona on Dynamite, and it, you know it's like it's like a a punch. I, I can't remember, but it ends up with Silver hitting a suplex, and just the way it's it's done is just it's so fluid, and it, it's I I really enjoy their work together, and. I understand though why the Elite One, I think it establishes that Trios title, that Trios title being new. Um, you know, unfortunately not you know not all the titles I think are given enough time, but I think with the Elite being the champions, it's going to establish this championship, which it needs to be done. And eventually circle back to maybe the Dark Order, not with Hangman Page, maybe with somebody else like Preston, get a shot and, and become, you know, the the trios champion. Um, But I get it. It makes sense. They need to get established and the elite are the right to establish it. And, you know, it's it's great for the Young Bucks and Kenny because, you know, people forget, you know, especially with Kenny, he's been a veteran for over 20 years. Like he just came out as being a star, really like in the last, you know, since, uh, since I think 2016. But I think, you know, the really since like the towards the end of like when you did know, his thing with okada where he finally became the megastar that he is it was like towards it's like the last quarter of his career like he's on the downside he, he can't keep being the best bout machine you know because he talks about it before all the injuries that he's had you know that he you know contemplating even just not coming back so i think it's great for him it's gonna keep, i think prolong his career longer and and um same with the Bucks, they do crazy shit too, so it takes a little bit off them. I think it's a win for everybody.
2: This match was uh, um, like literally like why I became a fan of Kenny Omega. That's I mean that's the best way to describe this match. It's why why I think he is. Even though I am not like the biggest Kenny Omega fan, I can be like okay. He's the best wrestler in the world. The Young Bucks are one of the best tag teams, or one of the best tag teams in the world. I mean, I, lo- I love, I love all of this. Uh, this was crazy. I in a night where I could say I think the theme was uh, people that some you know people that the crowd wanted to win didn't win. This was like another match of this because the crowd wanted the Dark Order. I mean, they were very happy with the Elite. But they wanted the Dark Order halfway through that match. And it was like when it, when the three happened, you just heard it. You know, you know, you had the Elite fans go off. Don't get me wrong. But then you had that exasperated feeling for some of the people there. Like, oh, God, it happened to the uh, Dark Order again. Because in my mind, I thought the Dark Order was going to win. Because if you remember, the, they've done this match similarly before. And the last time the Dark Order, you know, yeah. lost, I figure... Hey, this is them getting, they're going to get their get back in this one. And it was just like, it's not the story they decided to tell today. I, I can understand it. Uh, it worked. Uh, it automatically makes the belts mean something because whoever beats, whoever ha- beats the elite ha- will have beaten a team. So, uh, this hit on every level. This was a perfect tone for this match.
0: Yeah. We then go to the TBS championship match between Jade Cargill and the Fallen Goddess Athena. I said my piece. I said what I wanted in this match. I didn't get it. I disagree with it wholeheartedly. I think Athena should be your your TBS champion right now. I love Jade. I think she's great. But you need babyface champions right now for your women's division. You need new stars. And I do not want Athena to get the Ruby Soho treatment. My hope is that that doesn't happen to Athena, even though she lost this match. The match was fine. But I'm still salty about the outcome. I said what I said. Athena should be TVS champion. She becomes an instant star. She's the first person to beat Jade Cargill. That's just my thoughts. I really don't want to talk about it more because, quite honestly, it's still one of those things I'm just like, you yeah, fucked up in my opinion. Go into to JR.
1: Um, You know, this is what, there was two matches that didn't, well, actually three matches technically, but there was really two matches that didn't get at least 12 minutes. And this was one of them. This went about four and a half. Uh, Jay looked incredible. I mean, every outfit she, she had put, she, you know, for these events just looks amazing. I, I, her, both of their entrances were amazing. For me, it's just something was kind of off. And it just felt like it was kind of like a quick abrupt. I don't know what it was. I, I agree with you. I think Athena was the person to win because I always felt that they were going... like I didn't feel anybody in the company was going to be the one to dethrone Jade. I felt it was somebody who wasn't there yet was going to be the one to dethrone Jade. And when Athena showed up in AEW... I thought this is the one like this, you know, they're going to have her defeat Jade. She's going to be the TVS champion. It's going to establish her in the company. Now that that hasn't happened, I kind of wonder, you know, at 37-0, what is the next step for Jade? Like, are we building to 50-0? and 0? Are we, which I, I just personally don't think winning streak is a good idea. It's just good because eventually, you know, I think people turn against you. It's like that saying from The Dark Knight. Either you die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain. And in this case, I know Jade's a villain, but it's not in a good way a villain that that would tend to. Um, And is this somebody else that they earmarked? Is it Tony? Well, I mean, it's not Tony Storm because she, you know, we'll get to that later, but I mean, I just, I have no idea. It's, It's just, I'm very, just, I would say, not, isn't that the right word, but I'm concerned about where they're heading with her.
2: I thought this match was everything it needed to be. Uh, As soon as I saw the She-Hulk gear from uh, Jay Cargill, I was like, she's not losing. I mean, it was that simple to me. I saw that she she can't lose this to She-Hulk, which I thought was a perfect touch. She-Hulk's really hot right now. Uh, Jay gets her audience. She gets her brand. I will tell anybody that, and I will scream in in their faces if they're willing to listen. Uh, She gets wrestling. She does. I mean, is she the greatest wrestler ever? No, but she seems to just get it. She just gets wrestling. So I just thought this was, uh, I thought everything about this was cool. Uh, But like I said, on a night where it seemed like their whole idea was like, hey, no one you think, no one you want to win is going to win. This was just another (laughs) example of that. It's just, and I thought it was I, I you know, in a lot of ways I can still say I, you know, it was the right move, but yeah, it was uh crowd it was not as crowd pleasing. But Jay Cargill, when she comes out, is a star. She's the person you want uh representing your brand when someone turns on the TV for the first time on AEW and they see Jay Cargill and they look at her and they say, champion. That's what they say. Because look at her. And, yeah, so that's my thought on the process. Uh, a really good match. that got a good match out of her. I think they should run it. I do think they should run it back on Dynamite. Give them about 10 to 15 minutes.
0: Okay. Moving now to a six-man tag match between the TNT champion Wardlow and the three belt-holding world tag team champions of ROH, the IWGP, and AAA. FTR facing off against Jay Lethal, and my boys, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabian, the Motor City Machine Guns, We got. they some, are finally here.
2: We, uh, before uh, y'all say, we got some healthy Detroit sucks, chants, and all I could think about was my boy Austin he made me laugh.
0: Yeah, it's fine. Tell me when the Blackhawks actually do something in hockey. Yeah, It's not like shitty, culture, disgusting dog shit that, yeah, that right? organization is filled with. Tell me uh, when that team does something. Yeah, I like that Austin. I like when that Austin comes out that just came out. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Absolutely. <laughs> but listen, Motor City Machine Gun's debut in AEW was amazing. I love seeing these guys here. It's outstanding. You know, it seem, it's a long time coming, you know. Like, I swore these guys would be doing stuff in AEW well before, like, now. Like, I swore we'd see, we would have saw them, like, early on when they wanted to start doing cool stuff with their tag division. But you know what? It took a while, but we finally got them. They did outstanding. Uh, Dax uh, wonderfully had uh, her daughter uh, walk them out to the ring, uh, which is amazing. And as the match was going on, just tons of great maneuvers, uh, tons of great tag stuff. Um, it Wardlow got to do his powerbomb sym- symphony as well. He nearly killed Jay Lethal with a lariat. Like, oh, my God. Like, le- Lethal got killed. He got fucking killed. I liked how, like, they kind of saved Wardlow for, like, that one moment. For those moments where this, the big man could come and just start swinging on people. Because he was the d- the difference maker in the match, for sure. Powerbomb Symphony on Jay Lethal. There you go. They, however, uh, Motor City Machine Guns joined Satnam Singh and Sanjay Dutt to surround the ring. And as they were about to get in, Samoa Joe's music hits. And he comes down the ring uh, shaven as well. Somehow gets busted open in the process. No idea how that happened. But regardless, comes down and uh, he knocks down Satin Singh. Like just completely goes at this dude's chest and knocks him down. Um, And then uh, as Samoa Joe's in there also, Dax's daughter then runs out to the ring. Gets in front of Sanjay Dutt who was wearing uh, a great heel moment too. Fight like an eight year fight! Fight like a uh, eight year old brat was his shirt that he was wearing, which was such a heel move, so great. And then Dax's daughter gets in the ring. He she takes Sanjay's pencil, breaks it, and then that is when Dax knocks down Sanjay Dutt. And then Dax's daughter puts his her foot on Sanjay Dutt's chest. A referee gets in the ring, counts. Beautiful, just an outstandingly cute and wholesome moment to close out the show. If we need if we ever needed people to be like lighten up a dark moment in AEW history, it would be FTR. Absolutely. You want to talk about Moxley being the heart and soul of AEW? I would point to FTR being your heart and soul. That would be me. And I know Floyd would probably agree with me, but we'll get to JR first with his thoughts on this trios match. It
1: for being a throwaway match, it was good. I, I'm just disappointed. I honestly have to say it was just it was disappointing to see F T R Wardlow in the situation. I mean, that TNT title has meant nothing since Meryl had it last year. I mean, it's been they've done a terrible job booking the TNT title. Wardlow should be eating people up through you know, as as a champion everywhere just until he finally goes up against a monster. Um FTR the hottest tag team you put him in the six man I just it was cool I was happy for Dax because of the moment he had it with his daughter I mean it was it was I thought it was cute it was adorable um I, people online were saying I hope she breaks the pencil and she broke the pencil and people some people online were happy I thought it was cool it was just I was just disappointed I, I just wish more I wish more for 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 FTR and word Lois for being what they for being who they are and what they've accomplished, this, to me, just wasn't the right move. Obviously, I think Motor City Machine Guns helped save it, but there's a lot more to that needs to come out of this uh, to make sense. Because this just, if this is like it, this is terrible. This has to be the Prelude to something bigger.
2: Well, it was a match. That happened. Was it the match I wanted? Nope. But I think I I think it's leading to eventually getting the match I wanted. I, I thought this was fun. Dax talks about the emotions, the everything about wrestling. I mean, that's what this match was. It was to pull on every heartstring that you had. The eight-year-old girl that uh, had a hole in her heart, and, and you know, and you know, came back from it and fought through it. This is what the match was about. It, it, it was beautiful. I did not get teary eyed, but it was it was really cool when she came out. I just thought that was just kind of a awesome moment. Uh, you know, you know, you got to make the most of the moments you have. I gotta say, very happy that the, that they were on AEW pay per view. You know, been to all of them. Don't get to see a lot of them in there. They weren't. They came out and double or nothing to celebrate with Punk. uh from what I understand, if I remember, they weren't even on Revolution. So, the fact that they were on a pay per view, I'm going to take as a win. But yeah, absolutely, great day. I'm hoping this leads to, of course, FTR versus Motor City Machine Guns. Maybe it happens at, uh, maybe it happens at Grand Slam. That was just that was a guess I threw out at another time. Maybe it happens, you know, at Final Battle because. It looks like, you know, uh, Tony's been doing all the ROH pay-per-views and that would be the one that's left and maybe it happens a final battle but wherever it happens I want to be there for it. It's that simple.
0: Alright. We then had the match between Absolute Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs which uh, unfortunately for Ricky was the big man slapping meat and beating the shit out of Ricky Starks. He kind of got a little bit of offense but it did not last very long. Hobbs is able to get the definitive win in about, like, f- like less than four minutes. Um, I don't know, man. I can't add much to it. I love how this match got a, had a uh, video package to build to it and all that kind of stuff. But unfortunately, uh, Ricky was just not enough in that regard. And, you know, I, I definitely think they're going to continue this storyline um, and just wanted to have the fight for Ricky to finally beat Hobbs be an uphill battled one. Um Yeah, it just... I don't know. I I can't say too much about it, honestly. It was was a quick match that just was... Ricky, for the most part, getting the shit kicked out of it.
1: Um, Yeah, this was the second match on the card that, you know, that didn't lap that wasn't given... uh, That happened below 12. Uh, This was... It ended in five minutes and five seconds. It was very weird. In my opinion, I thought it was very weird, the ending. It kind of was like an abrupt ending. I don't know. You know, it just... I don't want to say it was a squash, but it was almost essentially a squash and um, see, I guess, what the future holds. That's what you just said, Austin, makes a lot of sense. And um, and going to what Floyd said, the theme of people, uh, talent that people wanted to win and didn't win because I think a lot of people wanted Ricky Starks or maybe expected Ricky Starks to win on this one.
2: Yeah, um, this was perfect because if Ricky just wins tonight – I would I would have had to ask Ash what's next for uh well hops you just turned on your friend and lost the first match. It, it I mean there, there's not a lot to go from there. So I think it was perfect. I think this is what needed to happen. I think Nikki, uh, Ricky really needed to uh go ahead and uh, lose this one. So uh that's what happened. Um but yeah, and he left and it was so definitive. It does give babyface Ricky uh, Starks some to really strive for when it uh, when it happens. To time it's like they're, they've built this big obstacle for him to climb because you know he didn't just lose; he kind of got dominated. You know, he just yeah he got his ass kicked. So yeah, now he has something to actually overcome. And how's he gonna overcome it? I'm really looking forward to it. Going for for it. This match was exactly what it needed to be, in my opinion.
0: All right, we then had the AW World Tag Team Championship match between Swerve and Our Glory and The Acclaimed, with Daddy S uh, joining them. This match was outstandingly good, but the crowd, they they wanted their boys to win, and when they didn't win, ooh, Chicago was Chicago, and they refused the fuck out of what came afterwards. First off, the crowd was outstanding with their chants and their support of of the acclaimed. Um, When they started the uh, Oh, Bassin' His Glory chant uh, for Keith Lee, that was when uh, Oh, Scissor Me Daddy started chanting. And it's the fucking weirdest chants I've ever heard, but so funny and so great. Um, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland became heels that night. And they were getting booed the hell in back. Never thought I'd see Keith Lee get booed. Swerve? Sure, absolutely I'd see that. But Keith Lee? No, I didn't think I would see that. They did such great work on these false finishes. People were going bananas during this match. But unfortunately, when the Acclaimed ended up not winning because of Swerve and our Glory managing to uh, get... Their tag team finish uh, on and win. They crowd just rejected the hell out of it. And then when everyone got in the ring, and when the claimed offered, uh, were, when when Billy Gunn comes up, and I believe it was Keith Lee or Sawyer, one of the two who offered a scissor motion to them. Crowd refused that. He did it. The crowd was like, fuck all that respect bullshit. We want the acclaimed as the tag team champions. Fuck you. That Chicago crowd rejected the fuck out of that. And match was, it was really freaking good, but man, that Chicago crowd just wanted the acclaimed and they didn't care what it took. They wanted the acclaimed and they were not going to deal with anything else. Um, which, I don't know if that took away from it or not. I don't know if it t- left a bad taste of the match in your mouth. But regardless, all four of those men did outstanding work. Like, it was just really freaking
1: good. But we'll go to JR first. Um, first. I'll say... Uh, the first thing is, I never wanted Swerve and Keith Lee to be champions. I am not a fan of makeshift sure teams. It's very New York-esque and bugs the shit out of me. Especially because... I think we're going to get into a situation because there was some tension in this match between Swerve and Keith Lee. Keith Lee was the one who ended up scissoring uh, Billy Gunn. So it's almost like they're teasing this tension. Um, and then if you watch, uh, for those of you who actually stayed around and, and heard, you know, Talent talk about the actual match in the press conference, if you heard Keith Lee and, and uh, Swerve talk about the match, uh, it was had been alluded to a potential rematch at Grand Slam Dynamite between the Acclaim and and Swerve in Art Glory, and um, it just it just kind of feels like they're heading towards a situation where they're going to lose and one of them is going to turn on the other, and it's fucking hated because you're using the tactical titles to basically push uh, singles two single stars into a feud. I can't stand that shit. Um, especially with how stacked the Aew Tech division is, the one thing I will say because you've heard a lot of it is they should have called an audible, they should have called an audible, they should have called an audible. I would 100% disagree with that because in the moment to in the heat of the moment to call an audible that could potentially that will not potentially will effectively change the course of your storyline, I think is a bad idea because you say, okay, go and do the change. And then what comes next? It's one of those things where maybe a claim are destined to be the tag team champions at grandson Dynamite. Maybe they're not, but that's one of the things where you don't make that decision in the heat of the moment. And then the next day you go, Hey, let's examine this because something, you know, obviously there's something there. Should they be the champions? Um, if we don't have them booked as a champion or again, let the story play out. So, I don't agree with that. I just think that's a very, you know, that's a, um, a rash decision in the heat of rash. Decision. I can't even say it. Someone say it for me. Anybody? A rash decision, sir. Rash Thank you so much. Decision
2: in the heat of the moment,
1: um, and I just don't agree with that. So I do agree that the claim potentially should, you know, win the titles because how over they are. Obviously, your crowd isn't wrong, but. Not at that moment,
2: well, I agree with you, but this match was booked to perfection, as in everything lined up the way it should, and I thought that that was amazing um uh, shout out to all of them. I mean, Keith Lee and Swerve, you know, wrestling is a cooperative sport, not a competitive sport in that case, they did what they could to make uh the acclaim look as great as they have ever looked and the crowd was hot it felt like i was it well i won't say it felt like i was uk crowd but well, as far as the uh, sing-along part it it, it, it gave me the, that uk crowd feeling you know and it was just like they were singing along and it was great and i didn't really like that it was going against keith lee and uh Swerve because I like them, but it, it I I was it was a it was a it was a hoot to uh, steal a world a line from our boy Hunt or not. It was a hoot and it made me holler. It was a great day. It was a great day. Great show, great match. Probably if it wasn't for East D and Kingston, this would have clearly been my match of the night.
0: Okay. We then moved on to the four-way match for the AEW Interim Women's World Championship between Tony Storm, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Jamie Hader and Akara Shida. This is another match where uh, Chicago was like, okay, well, we didn't get our guy that we wanted last time. But Jamie Hader, Jamie Hader, we want Jamie Hader. It doesn't matter who else gets picked. Jamie Hader has to win this match. They didn't get so toxic in terms of the ending of this match when Jamie Hader did not, unfortunately, win the match, um, though she did a great amount of work, I will say. Um, Sheeta, God, I love Sheeta. She ended up getting taken out of the match after being beat up uh, earlier on. Uh, and when she came back, she proceeded to come back with two kendo sticks and then was just like going boom, 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 hitting people with kendo sticks. So fucking good. I thought it was great. It was after Britt Baker curb stomped her on the ramp. Um, regardless of the fact, um, there was a great moment of Jamie Hayter had a great, was getting a lot of offense on Hikaru Shida and, um, uh, there was uh, moments where that was happening, and then Doctor she, she hit the ripcord lariat on Sheeta, had the pinfall, but Doctor Britt Baker pulls the referee out, stopping the three count, and she, and Jamie Hader is beside herself watching what happens. Tony Storm then hits zero Storm Zero, Britt Baker tries to steal it, that doesn't end up working working as Britt Baker gets DDTed, then DDT onto Jamie Hader, and. Tony Storm is the new AEW interim women's world champion. You now have another babyface women's champion. I give you that. I said you could do that there if you wanted to. I just um, I hope Tony Storm continues to grow and like she did great here. The the work with Britt and Jamie was outstanding. Sets up a spot for possibly Jamie Hader to to now turn babyface, which I think would be great because it seems like there's already a bunch of fans who are behind her. So. There's that. Um, I thought this was a good match. I thought the work of uh, uh, sending Sheeta to the back so she comes back with the kendo sticks was amazing. The stuff with Jamie and Britt was great. Uh, Tony did great work. I thought everyone got a lot of good stuff to do in this match. Um, And yeah, you got a new AEW Interim Women's Champion and Tony Storm is now another big uh, babyface Women's Champion, which this company definitely needed. Um, and I think she can do great things and I'm excited to see what Jamie does. I mean, what, uh, Tony storm does with that title. And I'm excited to see if Jamie ends up turning on Britt Baker and we get a baby face turn for, uh, Jamie hater. Cause it seems like the fans are already heavily behind Jamie. So we'll go to Jr.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed this match. I think each, uh, each woman had a chance to shine in their own way. I think, you know, Jamie has continuously, um, developed into a, um, a talent, that people want to see get over. I, you know, I think the goal was still to get the belt on Tony storm. I had an idea of where Hater would win the interim and then get a, um, then end up beating thunder would be kind of a baby face. People would love it. And then Beer Baker would turn on her and that would be like her first main feud. I think there would be a lot of a lot of good money to be drawn on that, but obviously a lot of people like Tony Storm, and you know she's a big name that you know that came to the, came to AEW this year, so I get it. Um, she seemed a little testy in the in her conference, like you know it was a little weird, uh, you know being a fan favorite, but she was like you know Hey, Thunder can get it when well, she decides to come back, and and I'll become the unified champion. So uh, this should be um. A Good match. It's one of those things though. Again, I would say similar to hangman and punk back in, you know Double or nothing a baby face versus a baby face is you know A classic wrestling fan. I like my baby face versus heels
2: uh, Yeah And to a point I definitely agree with you on that but in this particular case uh, in this match I thought the answer was Brett. I thought that was I thought that was the seriously the easiest you know thing to do is just go with Brett, but they decided to go with uh Tony, who was their original idea, and you know you can't ever go wrong with going with your original idea, you know it's 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 smart to a point, so I'm very very excited about what's going on in Tony Storm. This is how I became a Tony Storm fan. She was the champion of progress, and I saw her wrestling different people every week putting on bangers so if they could somehow bottle that same energy of that run in progress i think they can make tony a big star because she's a superb worker she just you know you have to give her that long form to uh tell her story uh so i'm looking forward to see what they have going there uh Britt and jamie should be fun again like i said i thought brit was the answer but but the thing in the press room was great Because the way she said it, she said if Thunder Rosa steals, when Thunder Rosa decides she's not hurt anymore, she can come back and get beat up. What? Oh, my God. I'm like, so if you say someone's faking an injury without saying someone's faking an injury, that's basically what that was. It was like, I love this. I love, I love, you know, I'm messy. I'm messy. And it was messy. It was a very messy. It was a very messy quote, and I loved it so much. Come on, man! Come on, man! This is—it's disgusting. I love it. I love wrestling.
1: Sir, please seek help.
2: Huh?
0: <laughs> seek help. He
2: said. Why would you say that, man? Hey, 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 hey! Real Housewives of Everything is one of the most popular shows every week. I am not the only messy person in this
0: world. You, that Unfortunately, is he is
1: correct.
0: <laughs> we'll move now to Jungle Boy and Christian Cage. Uh, this match uh, did barely got it even going because as Jungle Boy was making his entrance, Luchasaurus comes out the opposite tunnel and just proceeds to turn on Jungle Boy again, and he slams Jungle Boy on a pyro grate, which that's just hot. Like so, like his back was just like completely. It, it looked pretty fucked up. And then Jungle Boy got carried all the way over to the timekeeper's table, got sl- joke slammed in front of his mom and sister, onto a table. Christian Cage then proceeds to ring the force the bell to get ring. Christian spears Jungle Boy, kill switch, pins Jungle Boy, shortest match on the show. And um, I saw a couple reports that the reason why the match was so short was because that Christian Cage was dealing with a possible injury. I don't know necessarily the uh, truth to all of that. Some other people who are smarter or more involved with the the rumor reports or whatnot can get involved on that if they would like to. I don't know. All I know is that Christian uh, and Jungle Boy has been a wonderful feud. Um, I'm fine watching it go continue. Continue, though I would hope the flip floppy nature of Luchasaurus is explained because. It is a bit weird. I would like to know exactly why he keeps flip-flopping. But regardless, big moment for sure. And Christian healing it up like he does, blowing a kiss over towards his mom and sister as he hits the kill switch was just a nice touch, I just got to say. we can. uh, Oh, and also he got slapped at one
1: point, which was also a little cool moment too. But we'll go to JR. I have one question for you, for, for you Austin or Floyd, because I may have missed it. Did Luchasaurus, when he went back and sided with Jungle Boy, did he ever physically touch Christian
0: before? Yeah, he put he put he put Christian on his shoulders.
1: No, I mean like did he, before he joined Jungle Boy. Like let me phrase it: after he went back to Jungle Boy until till all out, did he ever physically touched Christian like he was going to like hurt him.
0: Uh, Floyd, you
2: might have to answer that. As far as I remember, and I have not, someone else asked me this question, and I didn't go back and watch the tape, all I think he did was stop Christian for leaving. He only I don't think he ever actually attacked Christian. And
1: so the, the reason I asked that because there was a working, I remember even reading this for all out. Well, he never touched Christian. What if he's not really a Christian? Why is he still wearing his like dark, Dinos, you know, Luchasaurus outfit. Why is he back to wearing the green? And I was just that stuck with me when I when this whole thing happened because for me, I was like, Christian's the ultimate mastermind. He like, he had this thing all planned out. He lured, you know, he lured Jungle Boy into a trap, you know, and and I mean, you talked about the heat. When he landed on that great, it was a thud. And the thuds are always worse than the no- than the loudest noise because the loudest noise typically has some sort of give to it. But when it's a thud like that, that is solid, and it has to hurt immensely when you hit that thud. And you saw the grow marks in Jungle Boy's back. I'm not a big fan of Luchasaurus, not a big fan of Jungle Boy, you know. I'm not drastic spread, but I thought this to me was perfection. I loved every second of it. I thought from the minute Christian Cage went down and Jungle Boy's mom slapped the taste out of his mouth. I thought she laid it in. Uh to him blowing the kiss, to him getting you know, blowing the kiss out of him, paying the kill switch, getting on uh Luchasaurus' shoulders at the end of it. I thought it was brilliant. And I think part of this it continues that storyline where now. Well, Jungle Boy has to get to Luchasaurus now before he can get to Christian. You just added, like, this can continue to full gear now. You just added three months of storyline to this.
2: Yeah, I thought it was perfect. Outworked everyone. Christian Cage, he's always better when uh, he has a heater. uh, As far as his heel character, he had Tyson Tomko for a long time. I think he might have had tests for a little time in WWE. I'm not quite sure. I don't remember that very well. But having Luchasaurus as his heater works well. And I think Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, which is going to get lost, are going to put on an amazing match when they had it. Again, I, I, even more so, we are sell, uh, seeing the evolution from Lucha Boy to Jack Perry. Even when they announced him, they called him. The uh, they called him a Jungle Jack Perry, which I thought was so awesome, and I was like, "Remember when everybody was pissed at Jim Ross for uh, calling him Jungle Boy Jack Perry? Suck it, suck it from Oklahoma, okay? <laughs> this is coming from Oklahoma, suck it, legend.
0: All right, don't mess with well the legend. <laughs> All right." We then had the American Dragon Brian Danielson versus Lionheart Chris Jericho, Uh, and this match was a very uh, technical aspect of these two just like putting a bunch of holds on each other and just interchanging from that. Daniel Garcia was watching from backstage, um, and he talked about previously uh, on Dynamite how he knows Chris Jericho can beat Brian Danielson, and he doesn't have to use underhanded tactics to do it because he's not only the best sports entertainer, in the world, he's also the best pro wrestler in the world. Um, these guys did a lot of good work, honestly. Uh, it was a, just really good wrestling match that they did a lot of great work together. Uh mutilation was put on Chris Jericho at one point, despite he got to the ropes, though, and then Danielson was kicking the fuck out of his head. However, the uh, referee uh, ended up getting distracted at one point, and then that's when Chris Jericho hit a low blow on, on Danielson, Judas Effect, one, two, three, and they cut to Daniel Garcia, who was just vividly upset about the entire thing, the fact that that happened. Um, And we ended up sawing a promo backstage about why he was upset uh, on the show. And that was when Brian Danielson, I mean, when uh, Garcia was told, you know what? I was going to support you in your match against uh, Yuta for the pure championship, but now you're going to go into it alone. You're not getting the support of the JAS pretty much. Have fun. Was more or less the way that Jericho said when he was called out for cheating. Um, it was a good, really good match, honestly, a good little uh, match before we got to uh, the one, our next one, which would be the semi-main event. Danielson and, and Jericho, just really good workers, know how to work with each other. Got lost lost in the shuffle in, in terms of like the craziness of the mat of the matches that were uh, taking place as well. Despite the fact though. This is probably the most technically sound match on the card. Just these guys work really, really well together. Jr., over to you.
1: Yeah, they got um a slightly they got the the most time on the card by a minute. You know they went for about close to twenty four minutes. You know I hate giving Chris Jericho pace because I can't stand him, but he they did a hell of great technical work. He knows how to give you a good match when he needs to, and um I don't want to. The one thing I'll add because I want to spotlight there was one. Uh, one move. I'm a big fan of leg locks, and I believe it was an inverted Indian death lock that that da- uh, Brian Danielson implemented. I just thought and I was like, "That's badass!" Like Brian Danielson is just a, a tremendous wrestler, and um, this the storyline between the Blackpool Combat Club and the JAS, and you know Daniel Garcia is, you know, it's it's very interesting, and I would love and. How it works out this Wednesday um, is going to be big for must-see TV for a lot of fans.
2: I'm going to say this. This was a terrible spot for this match. Terrible spot. I'm like, you've had people sitting there for three hours, and you're going to have a technical wrestling match? Loved the two guys. I thought the match was really good, but everybody around me looked like they were ready to shoot themselves. It was just a terrible place for this match. I honestly think it should have went on first and then had the latter match. But again, hindsight's 2020, but it was just it was just if you knew they were gonna have this type of match where you're gonna be sitting and holds a lot, it's not a match you wanna save to the end of the night, especially at an AEW pay-per-view. Uh, the match was perfect. I mean, was it perfectly executed? Yes, but it was just like it wasn't a, you know, there was a, wasn't enough crowd interaction to keep it going and keep uh, people's blood flowing. It was kind of like a stop, and it's just so bad because it's Chris Jericho, it's Brian Danielson. Everybody should be on their feet, being you know, honoring these two. But, yeah, because of the match they worked and where it, where it was in the ring, I mean, where it was in the uh, card, it just didn't really work. But I am glad Jericho won. The big celebration. I love that he cheated. It was, that was all good. Because, you know, in in essence, conceding that Brian Danielson is the best technical wrestler in the world. But I did love getting to see the top lion tamer. I was very happy. Absolutely. Yeah, like the real lion tamer with the knee in the neck. It was great stuff.
0: All right, we then went to the semi main event, uh, the House of Black, Brody King, Buddy Matthews, and Malachi Black against Darby Allen, Sting, and the Redeemer, Miro. And uh, Miro was a nice little like wild card in this match with Darby and Sting. Uh, basically, Darby wanted to tag in at one point. Miro wanted to keep beating up on Buddy at one point, despite the fact Darby eventually finally was able to get into the match, in which case he got ragdolled. Like, just got completely thrown around. Um, also should have also mentioned this first Julia Hart's like outfit and her hat combination that she had for the entrance for the house of black was outstanding. Like just beautiful work. I thought it was a great look, great imagery, loved it. So, so much. Um, we then got to the point where, sorry, the cat just opened my door. Uh, we then got to the point where uh, after Darby was able to finally make the tag with Miro, uh, referee was distracted because of Julia Hart, so he kept getting beat up. And then Sting and Malachi Black were then all of a sudden locking eyes at one point. They got into the ring and started slugging each other like repeatedly. Scorby and Deathlock on Malachi Black. Brody King and Buddy Matthews uh, were able to free him, though. And then eventually Darby gets in. And Miro goes after Buddy Matthews outside of the ring. Darby Allen proceeds to just throw himself at Buddy. Ma- Buddy, And uh, as uh, the referee was checking on Darby, Malachi Black is going to hit uh, the, uh, his spinning heel kick onto uh, Sting. But he spits the mist into the eyes of Malachi. And Darby Allen then proceeds to hit the Last Supper uh, pinfall roll-up that he does. And then he gets the pinfall win on Malachi Black. And then, this wasn't seen on the show, but this was proven, I know Floyd can attest to this, Uh, Malachi Black blew blew a kiss to the fans uh, as he was leaving the show uh, uh, when the cameras were off. Uh, And uh, it seems that uh, Malachi Black will be taking a leap of absence, uh, reportedly because of, uh, for mental reasons, which, take all the time you need Black. Malachi, we've enjoyed you in AEW. You've been a wonderful addition. Uh, come back when you're ready, if that's the case. Uh, Jr., over to you.
1: Um, I think there was a few things I would have added. Everybody was a face paint except one man. I would have been like, put on the paint, man. Just put it on. I, I thought it was great that Sting busts out the mist, called up his good old friend, the great Buddha and-, and wanted to know the-, the tricks of the trade with the mist, and nailed it down. I kind of thought going into this we in this match um that we may potentially see somebody debut at to be the manager of Miro which is his lovely wife CJ Perry formerly known as Lana and in the previous company she worked at um to kind of counter actually a heart obviously that didn't happen um that's a lot different than you know wearing face paint because that's a one-time deal you know Bringing a manager in, but I, I just keep hearing that kind of talk about bringing in. You know, Will Mero bring bringing CJ to be his manager. Um, that's you know everybody has it would have an opinion on that, but it was fun and it's enjoyable. And I made the joke at the end. I was like, man, you know, it's not that. Now that I think about it, it's not that. Uh, not that difficult to believe that a sixty three year old Sting can kick a man's ass half his age. I was like, because my grandfathers, they can kick a lot of people's asses at 63 because there were some heavy hitters in my grandfathers were. So I can believe it now. They reminded me of that, of uh, Michael Caine and Robert Duvall in that film with Haley Joel Osmond. You know, tough, tough old men. So I, I enjoyed it. And I think it was, um, it went as much time as it needed to set us up for the main event.
2: That moment when Sting threw the lifeless body of uh, Buddy Murphy uh, over, what's his name, Buddy Matthews? Okay, threw him over and uh, basically telling Malachi Black, I want a piece of you. That was the coolest moment of the night. Like, movie moment of the night. It was just like, dude. You know what? I don't know if I can take you, but we about to find out, and it was just such a good moment. Darby's throwing his body everywhere. Miro doesn't want them to be in the tag team. He wants to fight everything. There were so many stories being told. This was excellently done. Shout out to Malachi Black. Uh, If, you know, get your shit taken care of, get back to the House of Black. I am going to look forward to Brody King and Buddy Matthews doing their thing while you're gone, but I know you know, I think I, I've always been very high on Malachi Black, and I want that Malachi Black versus Miro match, and I hopefully we get it sooner than later.
0: All right. We then get to the main event the AW World Championship match between Jon Moxley and Public Enemy number one, CM Punk. Uh, this was a great match. It was. Um, they did a great little quick, like, near fall scare where Moxley was hit with a roundhouse kick uh, with the injured foot by CM Punk uh, and then quickly got him up for the GTS. We thought it was going to be turnabout fair play, but it was a great near fall. Uh, They fought out to the crowd. It's great work. Punk got thrown into the steel ring post and got busted open. Moxley proceeded to just go right at the cut and just rub, just fucking grind into that shit. And It was beating the hell out of Punk for a while. Um, at one point, Punk spat at John Moxley and flipped him off. Uh, they uh, were beating the hell out of each other repeatedly. It was a really good match. It genuinely was. Uh, eventually, though, uh, Moxley was able to put the bulldog choke on him. He was able to get Mo- Moxley up on his shoulders, put up the GTS, uh, and then hit a second GTS and uh, win the match, retaining rec- reclaiming the uh, AEW World Championship. However... The lights come out and then we hear a voicemail and it's Tony Khan and making a a plea to somebody to show up at all out. It's like you don't have to sign an extension. I just want you. You need to be here. This is my final offer. You're not going to find anything better than this, please. The screen then statics and then it cuts to the ring of honor. You stupid old man. I'm a snake promo. Where he says the greatest thing the devil ever did was make you people think he didn't exist. And then on the screen, the man in the mask, the Joker, says, I am the devil himself. Takes off the mask, throws a scarf around his shoulders, And it's MJF who is back. And he gets a mega ovation from the Chicago crowd. Looks at CM Punk up the rampway motions for the world championship around his waist and then proceeds to just flip the double birds to the Chicago fans and the devil himself is back and he wants that AEW world championship that CM Punk has. And we will hear from him on Dynamite tonight when you guys are hearing this podcast. Huge. And of course, no one's talking about that because of what happened on the media scrum. But considering what this man did at Double or Nothing to Wardlow, what goes around comes around. We go to JR now.
1: Um, there was a spot that I thought was really cool in the match. Um, they, it was basically the mimic from the match they had on um, on Dynamite, where except it was reverse, where CM Punk took it to Moxley, hit it with the GTS, and it was like, oh, shit, is, this would be interesting if he beats him like, in five seconds, too. Um, I... We all knew CM Punk was going to win so it is what it is the reason I just wanted to hold up I just thought I really thought the ending was brilliant where you know he comes out and they cut you know the voicemail the video package you know him revealing himself to be you know who he was um it was a very unique moment that crowd you know, one of the things I think Floyd I talked off the air was like, you know, hey man, I don't know if the crowd was into it because, you know, there was a lot of times during the show where the crowd seemed silent but that crowd was fucking deafening for MJF. I mean, there was like multiple wars. When the, the, when the lights went out, the first time um, when the Joker showed up on screen, um, then when he took off the mask and said, you know, there was another one. Then when he said, you know, and I'm the devil himself, there was another pop. When he put the scarf on, there was another pop. And then the last one, which was the loudest one, was when his music hit in the the arena. And by the end of that night, they were not, not a single person in that crowd sounded like they were cheering for CM Punk. That sounded like that was 100% for MJF. Um, The one thing I will say was, uh, two things actually. One, I felt that it lingered a little bit too long, like because they're just staring at each other. It's like, okay, was well, anything going to happen? Um, it may, you know, that's it felt like it, it went like one, two minutes longer than it should have, which is obviously not that big of a deal. But then you kind of wonder, and you know, and Floyd potentially, you know, add on to this how does uh MJF play into this with Stokely? And W Morancy, Lee Moriarty, Ethan Page, and the ask Boys. Like, you know, so that's the uh, that's the part I'm most interested in is how does how does that fit into his framework when he cuts his promo tomorrow night?
2: Yeah, this match, first of all, stick with the match before I talk about the outside. It was excellent. Super physical. Uh, very much like without all the chops, but very much that same brand that the ECE and uh Kingston match was just very physical and violent. And you know, Moxley is showing that he'll do anything he can to win this match, he's not a nice person, and I really dug that. And CM Punk was in Chicago, you know, it's you know, it's Undertaker WrestleMania, you don't beat him, you know, and and he he gave it his all, and he became. The first wrestler to beat Boxley clean in a singles match in AEW. I didn't realize that. Boxley had not taken one clean loss his whole time in AEW until Chicago on September 4th. So that was an amazing moment. Glad Punk got it. Glad the crowd was there to cheer it. I remember when we went to the uh, the first dance. And we, I flat out said, it's going to be CM Punk in the main event at All Out next year. And we got there, and it was great. And it wasn't everything I thought it was. You know, a couple, you know, it felt like some people wanted mocks to win. The, the crowd had, it was about 30% mocks, maybe 40%. And that, that 40% was very loud at different points in time. And then afterwards, the MJF came out, and I was just like, all I said, Oh shit, if CM Punk beats if CM Punk beats MJF, uh they're gonna I don't care where they're at, they're gonna get booed out the building. Cause this crowd wanted MJF. MJF chant started before when when they do with the mask showed up before he said anything. As soon as the music started, the MJF's chant started. It was great. Uh MJF came out, the returning hero. Because <laughs> it's hilarious that he is he's the most despicable man he goes too far, but when he comes back, he got cheered, and at this point when he came back, all I did in the crowd is just started turning around and looking at the crowd. I didn't even pay I didn't even look that way. I just was like the idea that this despicable, horrible person that has never said anything good about a person in his life uh just got cheered. Like freaking, like it was CM Punk coming into the building. He got the same reaction that CM Punk got when he came to Chicago. And when he came back after seven years, and this dude's been gone a few months. It is crazy. Wrestling is crazy and wonderful and redeeming. And I would hate to be CM Punk or whoever if they ever decide to do the CM Punk versus MJF match. And they decide not to put the belt on MJF because that crowd's going to hate them. Uh, And how it goes with Stokely, how I see it, it's perfect. The pinnacle didn't work out. All he, he says in the promo, I tried to build a faction with family. That shit didn't work. So I just went with employees. There you go. That's how I see it happening. Maybe it doesn't happen that way. But it is very, very cool that we are in the world, where CM Punk's champion, and now John Moxley has the shortest title reign in AEW history. I think all right. In like nine days? Nine days? I think so, yeah. Yeah.
0: If yeah, if you don't count his interim championship as all of that, yeah.
2: Yeah. It's like, yeah, he's the champion for nine days. Because he's all like- right.
0: All right, well that was AEW all out. A really great show and then some other shit happened. We'll get to our <laughs> er, we'll get to our preview for uh, Dynamite tonight in Buffalo, New York. The, uh, the shortest
2: preview we've ever had. Shortest man. preview
0: yet. We're going to hear from MJF. <laughs> Yuda versus Garcia for the Pure Championship, ROH Pure Championship, and then Death Triangle versus The Best Friends and Orange Cassidy. There is your preview because honestly, we don't know what the fuck's going on tonight. <laughs> yeah, they did not give us much. Um, all I can say,
2: as far as any type of preview, I am 152% sure that Daniel Garcia is going to cheat and become the ROH Pure Champion.
1: That's yeah, about it. I... That's I will it. say one thing, because uh, this, is, this is the only thing I'll say with my prediction. One, for fans... Temper your expectations for MGS promo, because I think a lot of people are like, man, he's going to go out there and say all kinds of fucking crazy shit. Like, don't go out there expecting it, you know, to be the greatest promo in the history of the world. And then all of a sudden he just says like, Tony Khan, you suck. I'm here to win the title and prove that I'm the best in the world. And you're going to pay me a buttload of money. And then he can walk off for all we know. So, you know, don't, I just keep saying, that like, he's going to go out there with the live mic and get all kinds of crazy shit. Like, just temper your expectations and enjoy the show.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're not,
1: yeah.
2: yeah. You know they're not going to do that. No. <laughs> no. No. No, no, no. Hey, he, well, no. He, man Austin has was
1: to, like, hey, with some people, I take sides in it. Hey, listen, they're not going to listen, but at least I said it. Yeah,
2: because uh, everybody's expecting scorched earth. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, everybody's expecting him to go out and say CM Punk's a bitch, blah, blah, blah. He's lucky I wasn't on the other side of that door. He's going to say they want him to say everything. And I am of the opinion, if he doesn't, it's a missed opportunity. I mean, right now. Make
0: money out of this right now. Yeah,
2: right now, the wrestling world is watching. People are tuning in for the train wreck. Give them the train wreck. Give them the train wreck. I I, I I just think it's the train wreck is what's best for business. This might not even be your what you decided that you wanted to do, but if you're thinking about what's best for business, give everybody the train wreck that they want. Put Max Caster out there. Let him cut some bars <laughs> about you know you know everything. He's let already him. tweeted
0: pretty much that he's going to do exactly
2: that. Yeah, let him let them let them do his thing and it's just like you know like i said just, it sucks it sucks it sucks it sucks everything sucks this shouldn't have happened but now that it has happened you have two choices you can either you know make the best of it you know or you know or you know lose this uh lose this opportunity that you have here and it's just It's there. It's a glaring opportunity. I think this could be uh, a dynamite we could end up talking about uh, for a
0: while if done correctly. All right. Well, I think that will close things out on this episode of All Things Elite. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, Please be sure to download the show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or anywhere else, uh, give us a share with whoever you wish. You can also leave a rating and a review. Big thank you, of course, to our good friend, Jr. for joining with us on this podcast. He is at Lucha Professor on Twitter. Please give him a follow. And uh, uh, you can follow this show on AT Elite Pod on Twitter and at Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Check out all the other shows they have on their network. You will not be disappointed. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. I will le- I will personally leave you with this. Regardless of the situation, don't attack people whether they feel one way or the other. You can have your beliefs if you would like. Do not attack people on this. Do not get do not do not get to the ugliness. Like enjoy what like how Floyd is enjoying the dirt. Enjoy all the dirty laundry and all that type of shit, but don't spew dirt at anybody else. There's no need for that. Enjoy the drama if you would like but don't add to the drama is what i would leave you with and i will go ahead and pass it off to floyd and he can take us home for this episode of all things elite i guess i was going to
2: in essence say the same thing as austin so i'm going to reiterate uh these these are people having a disagreement at work a workplace you don't work at so Have fun, be online, say you take your sides, post your supportive images or whatever you wanna do. But don't attack people in real life over an opinion over something they have no control over. You know, you can take punk sides, you can take what side, you can take any side you want to, but it's all just like no one knows 100% of what's going on. I imagine there are people involved that don't know 100% what's going on. But just be nice to each other, love each other, and you know, sometimes just you know, watch the world burn because you know, fire's pretty. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, to all to all of you, I think everyone has taken a moment to listen. I hope this review and what we talked about was everything you wanted to be. And if you need us to get spicier and hot fire, just go ahead and reply to our uh, reply to our post, and uh, we can give you more. Because I could have went another hour, but. It's just, you know, it just seems like everybody's having their thoughts. And until we see how something plays out, there's really not much more else we can say. So I will leave you how I always leave you from J- for JR and Austin. Whether you are at home, you're at work, or at school, always do your best to be elite.